Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, and I'm still here. I'm joined by Jeff Marchiafava. Hello. Joined by Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? Hello. And then Kyle Hilliard. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, how is it going? Kyle, it's going really well because mm-hmm. of just so many things, but also because there's a lot to cover on this episode of the podcast. We have a pack show. We are going to talk about the Nintendo Direct. We will get to all that news. We're going to have some new folks jumping in in the second half of the first segment of the podcast to talk about all that stuff. But before that, we're going to talk about Sifu, which is out now. We're going to talk about Ali Ali World a little bit, all that fun stuff, and maybe some other odds and ends thrown in there as well. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing over there? I'm doing good. Yeah? Why? What's going on? Why are you smirking? Can can you hear a kid crying in the background? Is that why you're, why you're asking? <laughs> no, it's just a random out of the blue thing. Okay. Um, how much do babies cry? Uh, not that much. He he seems to have some kind of cold right now. He's got a runny nose, so he did not sleep well last night. He can't really take a nap because he gets all mucusy and and so if just it's a, fun times if a baby just feels off in any way. They'll just cry automatically. Yeah, no I th- communicate. I mean, that's true. Pretty Even much. as you age, sometimes you don't age out of that. I'll just start crying <laughs> if something goes wrong. I'm like, you know what? This was my last straw. Yeah. yeah, Hansen, you're telling stories all the time about how you break down and just start weeping. Yeah, over. that's because I'm watching the beautiful transcendence of West Side Story, not because I have a little sniffle in my cute little nose. But uh, Godspeed to your beautiful child. Ride that mute. You know how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we had somebody write in. Nicholas West submitted a question over on Patreon. They say, my question for the pod. When do you think your opinion about a game solidifies the most before release? For example, the Ghostwire Tokyo livestream drew general interest, but it seemed tepid overall. Are we collectively penciling that in as quote-unquote good until release? Is there anything besides a review that would shift your opinion the most? I like this is kind of just a broad one, but when do you think your opinion of a game cements, Kyle? Is that is that launch trailer? Is that reveal trailer? First gameplay trailer? First so, first example of UI in a trailer? When is it like now I can judge it? Okay, so th- this is like bef- pre-release, right? Not post-release. Like when is when is the <laughs> right. line of like I'm going to play that game and yeah. what is the content that creates? Hmm, man, that's so. a good question. I mean, it doesn't take much for me. It sometimes it can just be the reveal of like one mechanic or something like that. Like it's so, so wherever uh, it doesn't matter, it would be a trailer, honestly. I guess, like, just like the maybe even the reveal trailer, I kind of know at that point, honestly. If I'm being honest with myself, I know if I'm excited to play a game by watching the announcement trailer. And maybe it's not even a matter of like this specific trailer, this type of trailer. Maybe it's just whenever you see one new idea or something that I don't know, or something I like, it can be an old idea that I just like, oh, I'd like to do that more in a video game. Yeah, put a glider. Yeah, honestly, it's like, yeah, I want to do that in a different game. Opening shot. Here's your ideal trailer for Mayletta for you, Kyle. It's like beautiful, majestic landscapes. Um, Looks Mm -hmm. like there's a bunch of Jack and Daxter style collectibles everywhere. And then it's just twinkling piano. And then final shot is just like a glider swooping in to reveal the logo. And that's like reveal trailer. And then Kyle will say, all right, wish listed. Done, done. Yeah, I'll try it. And it's got, it's gotta have a slowed down cover of a classic 90s rock song absolutely (laughs) yes in the air tonight something like that um i I did a twitter poll just to see where everybody was at with ghostwire tokyo because i feel like people are a little bit it feels like it's not on the tip of a lot of people's tongues this is the new game um from tango gameworks the evil within studio shinji mikami obviously big figure there from resident evil history um 
And then after this live stream, I guess official showcase is what Sony was calling it. I saw some people being like, eh, I don't know about this thing. And then I watched that showcase. I think this game looks cool. Anybody else watch that thing? Anybody else got a hot take about this? Yeah. I, I mean. Ooh. Oh, all right. I, feel, I already uh-oh. feel a split in the room of two different opinions. Kyle, you must choose. Would you like to hear the light side of the coin or the dark side of the coin? Let's let's start with the good news. Okay, Let's go with the light side of the Jeff, um, J- Joel and Fitz Janet, you might surprise us, but Jeff, um, <laughs> y'all are real confident. In I'm, I'm, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Look, we, All right. We've come to know your your the sound that you make when we ask you how you feel about I a game. Mean... We know you. Know. <laughs> All right, Jeff. I feel like Jeffum always makes the sound that he made. That's why I'm curious. How do we know what Jeffum's going to say? That's true. Like Jeffum starts every sentence with like, well, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, Jeffum. Just my pour my favorite a, game ever. Pour a rainbow down her throat, dude. It's Red Dead Two. Wait, I was the light light guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying right. Oh, okay. I misread that. Oh. Um, yeah, I watched it. It this it that uh, first reader question is the perfect kind of segue into that because I feel like after about thirty seconds of watching the gameplay, I was interested. Yeah, but it it looks a little. I don't want to say janky, but just not as fluid as I would as I would want from kind of an open world combat game. Like some of the huh. you know magic stuff that he was doing looked interesting, but I I kind of already got the impression of like it's not going to be you know an arcane style. I'm I'm zipping over to this place and it's going to f- like I don't think it's going to feel as cool as it kind of. As some of the, you know, magic stuff looked. Yeah, well, let's take a step back for a second here. So this is, yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo, PlayStation 5 and PC exclusive. It's very much in that Deathloop vein of it was a console exclusive, even though it's published by Bethesda. So even though it's a Microsoft studio, it is a PlayStation exclusive coming up March 25th. Um, but it is open-ish world in Tokyo. Something happens, people disappear and now supernatural creatures are all about. And it seems like the big thing is you have this ghost wire. So you have this crazy zippy whippy thing uh, that's jumping around your hands. Uh, all right, Janet, this could go any way. Which way are you going in? Which way are you going it? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty much with Jeff. Um. See, that's why it's like, oh, y'all assume that I was going to say something wild. Like, I'm like, I think me and Jeff are going to have the same sentiment, which is. So for me, going into this, I was looking forward to Ghostwire Tokyo. I still kind of am, but I do think that the gameplay did not wow. Um, And I will say, I think what's most telling about where this lands for me, again, my new obsession with Fantasy Critic, I'm like, someone else can take this one. You know, I just don't think it's going to hit that heavy um it kind of gameplay wise it looked a little bit like um dying light meets scarlet nexus which are yes. and i like dying light like i really enjoyed dying light i think that's a good game i gave it a, th- a three out of five which is like a seven on its 10 point scale good game I-, I feel like it's gonna be in that realm where it's like hey low-key this is something that is worth trying out that not many people are talking about that's yeah. what i think Ghostwire tokyo is gonna kind of amount to um i would be a little surprised if it ends up being fired just based on that gameplay. I think something about the amount of enemies, the way the power is controlled, it just, it felt like it it is going for a little bit of what Control does, but I don't think it's going to have that prim and polish that Control does based on that right, gameplay. Right. Like, it looks a little run-of-the-mill. You know, it looks a little ordinary. There, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of, like, okay, now you're crouching, so it's harder for the enemy to see you. 
now you're shooting an arrow at them, but it's, you know, stealth, or you can sneak up behind them and then grab them and take, do a stealthy takedown. It's like, I've seen all this. I've seen smoother and more polished versions of this, but I do think like, I like, I like the idea of the setting. I like the, yeah. the premise of the game and I like all of the enemy, like, I guess most of the enemy designs. I like I like that there's just a bunch of weird looking yokai out there that you're going to be fighting. That that is the part that gets me a little more interested. Yeah, weird Slenderman, weird versions of just like where it's like dancing, empty schoolgirls uniform ghost things all over the place. Like <laughs> that that was the one that made me pause and say, "Well, I don't like all of the designs." That, that's just kind of like okay, I guess I'm. <laughs> Fighting a schoolgirl uniform, but there, you know, there's like the big teeth guy that's yeah. wiry hair and kind of weird, weird, weird looking monsters. I'm happy to fight in kind of a first person open world game. Yeah, I wonder I like if we don't do that a lot. Uh, this is going to be a stretch, but I wonder if it's going to be a little bit like a Halo or like a Halo Infinite. We're going to be around this open world, just like you have to get used to those types of like, okay, Slenderman type, okay, yellow raincoat person. It seems like it's going to be one yeah. of those games. And I'm curious, they say it's like a you can travel around freely in Tokyo, but I don't know if they use the word open world in any of the marketing yet. And I'm still confused about the traversal. Cause like you're like, uh, Kyle, there's like a grappling basically, but it's like, well, I was, I was going to bring up actually, I, I didn't watch the showcase. Yeah. No, I said I would when you asked me to, you swore your daughter's life see, on it. Classic. Yeah. I did see a bunch of, you know, gifts people sharing online. And one of the ones that stood out to me talking about things that just instantly make you like, Oh cool. I want to check this out was traversal of like someone using the you know the ghost wire to zip to a uh, a roof by yeah. attaching themselves to like some kind of creature and I was like that looks cool I want to do that in Tokyo yeah totally I think this which, setting which is the most I'm, exciting I'm actually kind of mixed on that because I do like grapple hooks in games but it's it seems like it's one of those where it's like okay here's a specific point that if we put that there then you can grapple up onto that and use it as opposed to the kind of yeah. halo where it's like go anywhere you want do like get get crazy with it right right the the star of the show here for the gameplay that seems so far other than the setting which i think is cool is seeing the hands and they're like throwing talismans and doing just crazy motions with the, I'd imagine it's called a ghost wire. <laughs> they called it a wire, I think at some point, but just like the grappling, then like pulling a little bit on enemies and just like stretching. It's like they're doing the cat's cradle string thing, but with like mm-hmm. this energy. And it took me forever to try and figure out like, what is this? What does this remind me of? Of like the hands moving so quickly in a first person game. And I was like, am I thinking of like, Kyle, we all know the legendary scene with Trunks where he does like that hand thing, like da, 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 bam, before he blasts. It looks like that. And I was like, is it dishonored? But then I realized what it is, is it reminds me of Zenyatta in Overwatch. Like that first person mm-hmm. constant yeah. hand oh, movements. Yeah. But it's such yep, a yep. cool, captivating look that if you're a fan of hand animation, look no further than Ghostwire Tokyo coming to a shelf near you or something. That's the back of the box right there. Hell yeah. Amazing hand animation. These hands in the game. <laughs> That's right. And I know hands. I'm named after them. Um, the uh, It feels, I think you're right, Janet. It feels like it's going to be somewhere in the sevens. It feels like it's going to be a cult hit years from now, maybe even more so than like an evil within. I think there's going to be people that are like, why don't they make unique games like Ghostwire Tokyo anymore? It, it just, it feels set up for like having a very passionate fan base. Um, and GameSpot had that story where apparently the developers talked about how it did start as evil within three. And then shifted into being a new IP at some point, which it's tough to see too much of the connections there. But I guess every game has a starting point. So sure. I guess I forgot where Evil Within 2 left off, but it was kind of more open with Evil Within 2. So maybe that's kind of the idea is them just going more and more in that direction. 
Um, there was something else in the trailer that they teased quickly, which I think they called them like challenge rooms where time and space can't be trusted. And it, it looks just like little... Here's, mm. here's how I describe it, Kyle. It's like, do you remember those platforming one-offs in Super Mario Sunshine? Yeah, where you lose the, the water pack. Yeah, imagine that, but if they're all variants... Well, excuse me. It has a name. Yeah. yeah. Two Ds. He has a name, Kyle, Mario. please. Um, but imagine <laughs> that, but that it's like PT-style rooms, where there's just like a couple of them, and it looks just like you're yeah. walking out a hallway, and it's going to be trippy, but they're like rapid-firing through a bunch of different ones. Like, what is this? I, f- I forgot about that until you mentioned it, but that was one of the things that that stood out of like, oh, this like it. It's another example of like, I think when they start getting really weird in that game is when it's going to be the most interesting. And that does seem like kind of discreet. OK, we're going to do something completely different from what we're doing out in the more open world and just kind of mess with you a little bit. And that 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 gets me excited, too. Yeah. Plus, you get to experience Shibuya Crossing in one more game, which I think any game is automatically bumped up in quality if it has a Shibuya Crossing sequence. So there we go. Yeah, with like three people in it. Because <laughs> everyone, everyone's gone, so it's a right. story thing. You know, they could have added all those people. But. If they really wanted to, yeah. yeah. I did look it up. Uh, like, I want to see a full list of every game that said this should be a crossing, which if you don't know, if you've ever seen oh like gosh. an establishing shot of Tokyo, it should be a crossing. It's just like the uh, crisscrosswalks with a bunch of people going across it, all that stuff. Persona, I mean, uh, World Ends with you. World Ends with you. Yep, yep, yep. Um, apparently it's in, there's like a <laughs> mini game in it for Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Where just, I just looked at a screenshot and it was like Luigi at the Shibuya Crossing. It's like, what the hell is this? So Where I guess, else are you going to go? Yeah, I guess we're going to play that game now. But anyways, yeah, March 25th for Ghostwire Tokyo. I'm curious to see how it all comes together, dear. Uh, hey, Sifu, a game, a game that we've all been playing. Yes, yes? Yeah. All yes. right. Uh, this thing is out now on Epic. And is it PlayStation exclusive? Console exclusive, Console yeah. Okay, yeah. there it is. Um, all right, Kyle. This is your chance, baby. Make up for everything you didn't get to say in Ghostwire Tokyo by talking about Sifu, which if you're confused, I saw S-I-F-U. that gif. That was really, I added a lot to the conversation. That's true. It was also a gif of a cat It's, it's giving spark a, notes a little bit. Kyle, <laughs> yeah. like, I also saw a cat that, that runs a store. Like it was that good. was cool. Uh-huh. And Sifu, Kyle, take Sifu. it away. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've been playing Sifu. I, I like it. I, it's hard. It's very hard, mm. which I guess I expected just seeing the game. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks hard. But it's s- somehow harder than I expected because of the way that it sort of it structurally works. Like, it, it punishes you for failing. It, it gives you a little reward for succeeding. But if you don't do well, you're, you're kind of screwed. Um, yeah, I um, still... It's really slick. Like, it looks really good like i like the art style a lot and the animation is just it's just an awesome showcase of like of cold uh cqc combat you know uh <laughs> sifu ki- cqc i think as we all want to say right yeah close quarters combat and it's just like it's just always satisfying to hit those two buttons when you you know open up when you when you whittle down their sort of uh stamina and you can press triangle and circle and you just get like usually distinct like i don't see a lot of repeated animations of just taking people out really quickly and it's also satisfying because you get a little bit of health back yeah uh, it's it's cool it's like it's like kill bill because especially because i'm playing as a woman so i'm like playing it as though i'm playing a kill bill video game which is fun and then they even have a sequence in the hallway which is just like a hundred percent ripped from old boy which mm. is just cool 
So I'm just stylistically, I'm really liking it, but I am I am hitting walls with the with the difficulty uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. So this is from uh, Slow Clap, same developers as uh, Absolver from a couple years ago, and I guess it's a brawler. Is that the best way to put it? Roguelike brawler. I, so I would call it a roguelike. No, not quite. It's yeah. I I would I would call it like a stylish action game. I would put yeah. it up there with like Devil May Cry and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think, Jana? I would call it um, a beat 'em up in its general construction, but a fighting game in its hand-to-hand combat. Uh, yeah. Okay. Precisely how I was gonna say yes. That's it's, such a nice I, I think we're like all I on the same wavelength this episode. We, are. Like we can just <laughs> merge into one box here, yep. and then we wouldn't it, skip a beat. Yeah, I, I think it's just a little deceptive in that sense because I went into it thinking it was very much a brawler. I I did not last long. I, I played a couple hours. I could not get past that first boss. I rage quit from it. But I, the more I played, the more I realized, like, this is closer to a fighting game than I have the proficiency for. And like, yeah. you, it, it seems like you really have to dig in, memorize the combos that they want you to learn, which is which is also kind of frustrating because you, this is like the... First game I've ever played where you lose combos because you unlock them for certain runs, and then those are one of the things that will go away if you have to restart um, once you get old. Which I sp- suppose we should explain the aging mechanic because that's <laughs> a little most, bit. Yeah, it's important. The most interesting thing is that when you lose in a fight and you die, you age the number of years of your total number of deaths. And you, yeah. can, you can go up to, so like you start at 20, your master has been killed. First time you die, you turn 21, you restart exactly in the same fight. You know, like everyone's health is where it was when you died. You get back up. Second time you die, you're 23, then you're 26. And so it just compounds in a way that's really interesting and intriguing on paper. But then like it's it's the part of the game that I like that I find the most interesting, that I like the most, but it's also the reason that I ended up walking away from it because it, like, it, it really does compound your frustration with it as well when you start dying. And it's like, wow, I've aged 40 years in this one fight, and I feel like I've aged 40 years playing it too. So I'm still confused about a lot of things about this aging system. So, like, I beat the first boss, and I was 46 years old by the time I took them out. And then the character said something like, she said, eh, it took me eight years to do this. Was that <laughs> a lore thing? She's talking about being a kid. Okay. She's talking about, like, like I was a child. See, like, it kind of opens with this, again, it is very Kill Bill. Not that Kill Bill's the only thing to have done this, but, you know, oh, it's no. like revenge stories, seeing, like, right. you know, we see this in a, like, Kill Bill, Marvel. It's been everywhere, this kind of tale of, like, revenge and, like, going after the people that killed family, loved ones, whoever. Like Cooper. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like Cooper. Yes, does anything but like probably what the source actually is. But uh-huh. um, and I think with the the aging thing too, a big thing to point out is there are five levels that make up the game. And Hanson, you said you ended level one at age forty seven. So when you start yeah. level two, you are forty seven as well. Right. And you can only go up to like I'm gonna guess off the top of my head like age seventy four before. I think yeah, seventy six something like I, that. I think it's actually eighty, but it's. It depends on like the number of years that it. It's would, like the number would, of deaths that matter, right? Kind of a little bit. I, I I think it's just if you would if the next time you die, if you would age past eighty, it will cut you right. off because there there is one power up that kind of resets your deaths. Yeah, and and so like one time I got up to seventy nine, 
and then I and then it reset me. But there was another one that I played. I was like 72, but just because of the number of times I died, I would have aged past 80, and so it ended what felt and then you early. Know that a little bit in the menu with like you have the um, it's like a chain with like the like emblems or coins. Uh, I, uh, I'm uh, sorry, uh, I'm not describing that well, but it has those break as you age. Yeah. Um, the thing is, if you know, and the developers recommend that like you just keep playing the game, like go through the levels as far as you can go. Like, don't worry about trying to get an age where you can beat the game, because um, obviously, if you enter level four at like seventy two, you're probably not going to be able to beat the game. You'd have to ha- have like an impossible run. Um, but you can go back then and like replay level one and get a lower age, and then you would start level two. So it, I think, where people start saying like, oh, is this rogue? Is it not? Is in the way that your age carries through the levels, but that progress is saved. Other things that are saved that are worth noting, if you permanently unlock something, you have that forever, but you have to unlock it five times to permanently unlock it, and that Mm. does have to be within a singular run, and I'm using run in terms of your game over, you know, essentially, like if you think of a Mario or whatever. Um, And then other things that progress, you learn, which this is an element that I think is really interesting. Like, I like the aging system, and I like that you... Um, and this is also where it gets a little bit rogue, where you learn things about um, the people that you're going after to kill and the environments that you're in. So in level one, like, sure, it's it's tough, but you also can find like a key either in level one or level two, I forget, that unlocks a door that provides a shortcut. So it does have like that yeah. shortcutting that makes it so that, okay, when I go back and play level one personally, because I'm currently on level two, I can open a door and get to the boss much quicker. So then you know, it's easier to kind of make that progress or to, like, improve your levels later as you unlock these sort of shortcuts and additional paths. Yeah, and it's all, like, death loopy. You got, like, a whole intel board that you're, like, slowly piecing yeah. stuff together in to kind of build out all these different it's levels. It's the always sunny conspiracy <laughs> yes. board. Yes, it is exactly that. But, I mean, yeah, Kyle, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, but it cannot be overstated, I think, just how good this game feels like especially out of the gate. I was like, oh, this is why the previews were so red hot on this game. Because it is... It has single-handedly convinced me that, like, yeah, maybe we do need best feeling as a category at the end of the year (laughs) for games. Because, like, just the way this game sinks in, it just feels like a very intimate version of, like, the Arkham combat is the best way I can put it. But, like, in this setting. But you just have those moments of in free-flowing combat, doing counters. Then, like, the best is the first time you, like, kick a pipe or something on the floor and it just pops up directly in your hand. You continue the combo with that. That is just an amazing feeling. Yeah, it makes a really good first impression because like the beginning is just so stylish and cool and it sets up a, I mean it's like a it's a very straightforward vengeance story which mm-hmm. is really like that it doesn't take much to get engaged in that like oh you're you're on this person's side and this person was mean to you and it's like all right let's go get that guy <laughs> and it does a good job setting that up yeah um so how are we all feeling about it i i like it but i'm definitely at that point where I was like i don't think i'll stick with it but i appreciate the hell out of it i think slow clap slow clap did an amazing job with it I mean, I'm I'm going to keep going yeah. on it. I actually did this thing, which I, I think is how they expect you to play. It's like I beat the first level, made a fair bit of progress in the second level, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go replay the first level a handful of times to, yeah. to permanently unlock things and also leave, like have a good run where I'm a young person with like a bunch of upgrades that I can take into level two. And, uh, and, and, and there are, like Janet was saying, like there are different avenues that you can take through level one after you beat it. Like there's a shortcut that you can take that lets you encounter different enemies and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm sticking with it until Elden ring comes out. Probably we'll see yeah. if I make it to the end, if I'm, you know, if I'm being honest, um, but I, I, I like it. I like it so far. Yeah. What about you two? 
Uh, for me, <laughs> it, it, fa- it falls in that um, the Cuphead category of games mm-hmm. that I I adore and I absolutely wish I still had the young person skills to get through and to see more of it, but they don't give you a difficulty level. And so what do you, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep beating my head against the wall on, on this one. Yeah. You two are still fused then. I too. Yes. I too am piecing out and I'm, you know, I'm, the youngest person here spoilers for my real life age which is 28 <laughs> and i can't do this like right now it that's like i'm gonna try <laughs> yeah i know I, I got my whole life ahead of me um maybe if i play my cards right um yeah i i think the game's highly stylish i think the game is a good if not great game but because it's so combo specific like it's just not gonna be something that I'm willing to get good at um, people right. have been, you know, and not that people are always nice online because I can be a mixed bag, but people have been like, you know, uh, you can do it. Like, I know you can do it. And I'm like, you know what? That's good. That's going to be good enough. Like, we're not going to prove this because like, sure, could I do it? Yeah, I can do almost anything if I really try. But I don't think I want to get good at this because the game also, in my opinion, doesn't have the best construction in terms of learning the fundamental skills that are required to be good at this game. Mm. And those fundamental skills are parrying and being able to know and execute combos. I can see triangle, triangle, long hold on triangle, and I can even do it in like the training ground on a testing dummy, but I can't do it consistently and I need consistency. I lack the consistency needed to be good enough at Sifu. Now, when I first started, like I previewed it and it was hard and I felt like it was hard, but manageably hard. Mm -hmm. And then when I played the actual like review build, um, which this had already been after they added, um, they did add like some balancing in the first like area specifically, I think, um, like pre-release. In Um, fact, Jeff, I think if you went and fought, they made the first boss easier already. Yes. Mm Okay. That update update had uh, dropped like, I think Wednesday before release. So something around that time you would have had the updated version but um i left at level one after maybe like only like an hour or something uh age 27 i was like is this a good age and like people like oh yeah you're doing great i'm like great okay pro gamer here never doubted myself (laughs) Uh level two kicked my butt six ways to sunday i had i played this game for a total of six hours and i never got out of level two uh it's supposed to be how long to beat estimated by the developers is 15 to 20 hours yeah i just don't think you know, it's just right. not there for me. Like, sure. I really have to be my best self to get through it. So, like, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. But I, I think it is, like, really stylish and well-constructed. I would like to be someone that could finish it. But it just, it, it hurts my hands. And I I'm, get it. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good and on this one. It, it's it's one of those games where it really made me think that, like, I'm I'm done with games that don't, that don't offer a difficulty setting. And from software is the one where I'll give them a pass because they seem like they're, the way that they design combat it's not it's not timing like it's not really timing based it's not reflex based you can learn the things that you need to know in those games mm-hmm. and and make exponential progress you know like consistent progress and get through those games and i feel like this is one cuphead is one of those games where it's like i can i can learn attack patterns whatever i can learn the combos if you want me to but like Going going up against that one boss, I, I guess they made him easier now at this point. But it's like, yeah, you know, if you if you hold in the block button and then you can press up or down depending on if it's a high attack or low right, attack. It's right, like, right. Dude, you you are you are giving me so much credit. Like, I see a flashing. I hope I can I can get the block button pressed yeah. down. I'm not I'm not picking out which direction it's coming. I just don't have those reflexes, and that's not something that I can learn or make up for. And it it leads to a more more frustrating experience than 
I'm I'm willing to put up. So with. playing this game, it just reminded you of your of your mortality. Not only because they're seeing numbers yes, like scroll up. Yeah, yeah. It's all the game really does. Um, it's 40 bucks for everybody out there uh, curious about this thing. Um, something they really love do, to do on the PlayStation 5, at least, is uh, they love making noises come out of that controller. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> they, are, they are all about it. Like, if you're in an area, I think it's in the first world yeah the rain and everything the rain i'm, I'm kind of into it really though. like I, I feel like look this thing was hella expensive yeah i want to feel the wind in my face you know i want to have like that those yeah. terrible 4d that, movie experiences yeah. <laughs> like if you're not turning a fan on and i'm not feeling that breeze i am well, all what for, was it? This for i'm all for it but i have a problem when okay the tvs that we're all playing these games on the speakers on those tvs are 300 times better than any speaker they could ever afford to put in a PlayStation controller. And the part that drives me nuts is that, like, they had this tech last gen. They had sounds come out of the PlayStation 4 controller, and then they just kind of trailed off because everybody realized it's kind of dopey to have, like, this Wiimote speaker blaring the sound of an insect coming from your hands. Like, it's not immersive. <laughs> it's just, like, showing off the tech for the sake of the tech. But, like, why have a sound that objectively sounds like shit compared to the ones coming out of your TV to just take you out of it? It's bizarre. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I turned my controller way down while I was playing Deathloop because it kept on scaring me every time <laughs> someone started yelling at me. So right. it, it's it's better at a lower volume. Yeah, and there might be some sweet spot, but even then, it's like, does anybody yeah. feel, what, 5% more immersed? It just, it's, it's too much. But I'm always curious about what developers are doing with it, so I leave it on. I can't win! Uh, hey, there's also this game that came out called Ollie Ollie World. The big sequel to Roll 7's Ollie Ollie and Ollie Ollie 2. Um, skateboarding game. But this thing's kind of like a visual reboot. It feels like a huge expansion of everything they were doing before. Um, heads up, full disclaimer. Janet did a mock review for Ollie Ollie World. So, grain of salt. But Jeff, did you get a chance to, to play this thing yet? I did, which disclaimer, um, Private Division supplied a code for it as well they said they wanted us to disclose that as well that's right and kyle do you have any I, disclaimers for this uh no like i hate skateboards he's a skateboard, <laughs> skateboard. <laughs> you know what it makes me think of actually What's that? is um Power. i love i love trials right the game trials yes but it's always like i love the first like four levels of trials right and after that i'm like this has now it is a, i've crossed the line of it being fun anymore where this feels a little like trials but without that line, okay. like it just kind of seems to stay fun. That was yeah. a very sneaky compliment. That was backdoor <laughs> compliment. Yeah, I, I kind of had a similar thought process where it's like, well, I played those old ones a little bit and was like, oh, this is kind of fun. If I got into skateboarding combos and stuff, I think I could do it. And then with this, it's like, oh, this feels more like a bit trip game than I was expecting. Hmm. Kind of like a bit trip. Tony Hawk is the obvious comparison here or whatnot. But like the art style is the big change up here. Uh, well, one of them, and it seems very like Adventure Time, adult cartoon, but not hentai. Is that a is that a category? Is that how you describe this is look? That, those are really close for you, huh? That's just yeah. <laughs> I would I would love that. if you just we could just rescrub back okay. the last couple seconds. Yeah, absolutely. So it looks like Adventure just... Time. Yeah, um, Janet, what do you think about this? Since you spent the most time with it, then. Uh, yeah, I, I love this game. It honestly really surprised me a lot because I had played um, a few minutes only of the first Ali Ali game. Mm. Um, and of those minutes, I was like, nah, because it has it's funny to think of this game in in relationship to Sifu because they're both combo heavy games. Right. Um, but they're 
they're treated super differently. Like they're like on opposite ends of the spectrum. And my beef with the original Ali Ali was, I'm like, I can't do what you're trying to get me to do where I have to have these perfect landings or else I wipe out. Like I just, it's a lot to keep in my mind and I'm not quite good at it or interested in it. Um, This game still has elements of that, but I think they get rolled out really smoothly overall. I think the tutorialization is really well done. Like they give you, I I do kind of wish they rolled it out a little faster because there were things where, I'd, I'd, I hate in games when I want to do something and I feel like I'm just purposefully not taught it yet and then I get taught it later and I'm like, we could have had this conversation like two levels ago. Right. It, just, it just run into that sometimes. But I think it's it's awesome in that just completing the levels and inherently the campaign by extension you don't really have to be that good at it. You kind of just have to finish it. There are checkpoints throughout as well. But if you want to challenge yourself and do things like, you know, they have like little um, kind of like achievements throughout the courses, something like pop these balloons or like mm. don't pop these balloons or have beat this local person's high score, like this other character score or other elements. So there's a lot of fun incentives to challenge yourself if you're looking to do a little bit of challenge um and there's like little side quests in it like i just think it's a really great vibrant world that's super creative and then as someone that roller skates which you know is not the same as skateboarding but it's still on wheels sure i love the customization of this game like being able to like change your trucks and your wheels and your clothes like i think it's totally captured both in its customization, its visual art style, and its movement, the feeling of what I like about skating, which is without the risk of injury, and also having to really learn how to do the moves and having the physicality for it, which is awesome. Um, Where it's like, okay, I feel like I'm running through this, and I feel like I'm, it's happy, it's freeing, it's colorful, like, I feel like I'm, like, it has a great expressive moment, like, I really did feel the joy that I feel when I'm skating and enjoying my time and you're listening to the music and you're vibing with it. Like, I think I knew this game hit for me the second a giant bee moves like a billboard that I could then skate on. I was like, yeah, this is good. This is a good time. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems cool. I think it's kind of like a tough time for Ollie Ollie world to release. And if you would have blindfolded me a while ago and said, what is the right time for this to release? I'd say, Seems like an early February type of game, but like this year, I worry that this thing is just going to get crushed by everything releasing around it. Yeah, what happened? I, feel <laughs> I like don't know. All of a sudden, I mean, I, I guess it always mm-hmm. kind of happens, but more than ever, like it yeah. feels like, oh, by the way, here's six really good games that everyone likes right now here. Yes. I'm like, oh, God. Okay, good thank luck, you. everybody. I haven't beat Mother 3 yet, but all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I literally went from like two months of just having nothing that I wanted to play and ignoring, still ignoring my backlog to like, oh, my God, I, I have so many games installed now on just my PS5 alone that like I got to I got to start churning through. Yeah. Hell yeah. And but but to to that um, extent. I think Ollie Ollie World will have will have longer legs. I, I yeah. don't think they have to worry about the release window that they're that they're releasing in. I feel like this is a good eShop game when you're just scrolling through, you know, one lazy weekend or whatever, and it's like, oh, that looks interesting. You know, I'm now's a good time to pick that up. Yeah, I didn't play it on Switch, but it definitely feels like one that would be great just to have on Switch if you want to just do some skateboarding runs, progress a few levels, yeah, have a good time. Yeah, it seems like that type of thing. Uh, and also, yeah, Roll7, the developer, they were purchased by Private Division a while ago. It was one of those quieter acquisitions, but also in the great acquisition war, they've been gobbled up, so hats off to them. We can expect more Ollie Ollies in the future, I suppose. Ollie Ollie Galaxy coming next, you think? Ooh. I will put money on it. Um, Ollie Ollie 3D land. <laughs> that, <laughs> that sounds, sounds scary. <laughs> I don't know if I want that. Uh, okay, can we finally talk about this Nintendo stuff, y'all? 
We've been waiting too long! Um, let's see, uh, Janet and Jeff, um, thank you for being here, but do you want to clap out at the exact same time just to keep up your unified front on this episode? That's right. Ready? Hey! There we go. We have Sarah Pazorski joining the show. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth as silk. And then Jacob Geller, friend of the show. Welcome, Jacob. Nintendo Switch ain't got no games. That's what they all say. And look what? at us now. We're like, rolling in it. Handfuls of games? It's oh, oh, sorry. I'm checking my notes. Nintendo Switch has every game. Yeah. I got that wrong. <laughs> Officially, yeah. No Man's Sky has been ported to the Switch, and that's the end of the road. That's all anybody could ever ask for. Um, Nintendo Direct, we are hot off the presses. Uh, is that how you phrase that? We just climbed off uh, of no. heat, the heated press. Uh, we just watched the big Nintendo... Rea uh, Nintendo... <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> what did we do, Ben? We just we just intend to reacted directly to the stream, and now now we're going to react on the podcast to you. Um, so everything's still very fresh in our minds. Jacob Geller, um, if I was watching a reaction stream of you watching that, at what point during the Nintendo Direct would your eyes would your eyes be the biggest? Do you think? Um, it, when Kirby sucked up that <laughs> car, <laughs> and then I don't. <laughs> I, I I didn't understand the anatomy of Kirby before I saw that trailer, right. and I understand much less now. Okay, so here's what we got. We knew that, hey, there's a big new Kirby game. Everyone's excited for it. Nobody can stop talking about it. Um, and we just thought, well, you know, it's standard Kirby affairs. You're going to be sucking up enemies and exploring new areas. It's going to be fantastic. Um, nobody quite expected this angle where he's going to be sucking up inanimate objects and that's one thing, but Sarah, how would you describe the way that he's sucking up these inanimate objects? He is wrapping, he's putting it in his mouth, but like wrapping his body around the object <laughs> like a Kirby skin suit. <laughs> and his feet are still there, his arms are still there. I have literally never not wanted something more in my entire life. And you were like Kirby fan, like you were excited when it started because yes. you're like, is this Kirby Air Ride? He's touching a car. It's everything I, I wanted. I thought that maybe it might have been like a Kirby Air Ride teaser, but I think <laughs> I just hope. And then it went in the exact opposite direction. And then it just started Kirby, rapid Kirby firing. Kirby Ground Ride. That's what we call cars. <laughs> it started rapid firing just, hey, look at all these effed up things that Kirby can wrap his sick body and mouth around. And like the worst part is like he's not... It's like he's trying to wrap his mouth around it. It's like the equivalent of like seeing an anaconda trying to swallow like a piano bench or something where it's just like it can get kind of close but can't quite seal the deal. That is what this is. It's like, hey, look at him having a cone in his mouth. It's Kirby cone mouth. We all love him. Here's uh, Kirby scissor lift mouth. Kirby light bulb mouth. I think this is... I mean, this is kind of what I want. For, this is almost best case scenario from a Kirby game is to have something so shocking and weird and bizarre <laughs> that it I ups mean, my interest. There's that thing from, I don't remember which Kirby game it was, but there's there's a boss that you suck up and it's like a 1,000 foot eel and you can like find <laughs> the gif of Kirby just yeah, eating triple deluxe. like a skyscraper yeah. sized eel. So it's like, it's always been there, but not quite I mean, as explicit. <laughs> That's why Triple Deluxe is always my favorite because he just goes insane. He can just, he, yeah. he's like literally a black hole in that game. <laughs> yeah, a lifetime of going insane and swallowing everything. But then every once in a while, it's like, what if we just took that and just doubled it? Just doubled how absurd it is for everything that Kirby can actually swallow. I was, honestly, I was a little on the cool side of Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Because it's like, I think everyone was too big. I'm like, oh, it's 3D. It's like, yeah, but I don't know about the environment. It doesn't look that interesting. But they're shown enough now. 
especially like building up the town. You can build up a little Waddle D town throughout the game, Sarah. And did we mention yep. that Kirby wraps his gross lips around Stop. part of the car? <laughs> I don't know if you're interested in any way. Here's, okay, here's, here's my question, which may explain why you're so excited for it now, yeah. Ben. But it's like, these are fully just Mario Odyssey levels, right? It looks like it's it. It's like now the gimmick is like almost exactly the same. That it's like but, Kirby can yeah. like have the powers of this and you can be a forklift and then jump off the forklift and you're you find a star. I guess you're the right. The forklift is in, in particular or the scissor lift, I guess it was called. Yeah. Was I was it, I was like, oh, yeah, that, I remember that creature from Mario Odyssey, <laughs> like specifically. Do you think there's anything to it? And this is maybe too conspiratorial, if you even want to call it that. But they must be aware that, like, people are going to have weird reactions to Kirby trying to wrap his mind around uh, a water balloon. His mind? <laughs> well, His mind and his mouth. Yeah, we have to wrap <laughs> our minds around him wrapping his mouth around these things. Is there anything about, let's like, oh, in the streaming age, we want people like Sarah to stream this game and give a huge reaction with Kirby sucking I on a car know, fender? I don't know if they think that far ahead. No. I think they were just like, Kirby needs to do something new. And this is what they, they were like, what can Kirby do when his entire, you know, persona is inhaling things? And then they were like, but what if he didn't? What if he failed? What what if they didn't go all the way in? (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. (laughs) It's such a stupid idea. But hey, that's what we're here for, I guess. Um, All right, Kyle, what about you? Give us a real humdinger. Yeah, you know, I was sort of thinking back over it, and there's a lot of fun stuff. There's, But, like, the one that kind of stood out to me is, like, oh, I didn't expect that at all. It wasn't even Chrono Cross, but the fact that Radical Dreamers is included on that. Okay. Because, like, that's 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 never been in America, right? Like, I'm not mis- I'm not mistaken, right? That that has no. never been properly released in America. There are fan translations, as far as I know. But, I mean, for a while now, it seemed like over the holidays, the big rumor was bubbling about, hey, Chrono Cross is getting a remaster. And it seemed like people were leaning towards it being a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, so I don't know how this happened or why, but here we go. Chrono Cross is officially coming to the Nintendo Switch. It's crazy that this is happening before Chrono Trigger is coming, but I will absolutely take it. So it looks nice. It's, yeah. uh, you know... Uh, not a full remake or anything, but just kind of like the equivalent, yeah, of like the Final Fantasy VIII remaster, stuff like that, where it's, okay, the polygonal characters are up and it looks fine, and they say they're going to have, what, new versions of the music, improved music in some way, so I am completely on board. I'm excited to see it. I mean, there might have been, who knows if this is the thought process, but I mean, realistically, like, it's it's absurd that Chrono Trigger is not available on Switch. Yeah. It's a, it's a crime. That's but, right. But from their, maybe from their perspective, it's like, if you really want to play Chrono Trigger today, you can get it on Steam or your iPhone. There are ways to play it. There's not really a way to play Chrono Cross. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah, go you know? and download like, it from PS3. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I, and I bet it's coming to everything, right? It's just got announced for Switch, but it's probably going to be on everything. I, I would think so, yeah. But it's coming out April 7th. And yeah, like you mentioned, Radical Dreamers is included, which... Um, I think we talked about a little bit with the game's writer and director, Masato Kato. We had that interview um, last year with them. Um, but it is the Satellaview game that was kind of like, well, it's kind of the Cimmerillion to Chrono Cross's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's a lot of those same ideas, but in this weird kind of prototype form where it's telling the story of Surge and Kid, but everything's just a little bit twisted and weird. And so now to have that included in this, I think is is really cool. So... Kyle, you said you've never played Chrono Cross, right? 
I've started it on occasion. I think okay. I played the first few hours, but I just get stuck on that start screen, that attract screen with that amazing soundtrack, oh. and I'm like, I'm having more fun just watching this over and over. I don't really actually have to play this. It is so good. Yeah, but what if Kyle? What if you had to play it? And what if we like made the best most <laughs> discussion about Look, it on the internet? We're not talking about that right now. <laughs> okay, we'll see how it goes. But, there's a, but it's been probably that has to happen, right? Uh, it yeah, kind of has to. For the record, Jojo but texted me immediately, immediately when that was announced because he's very excited to play through it again. So <laughs> okay, good, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I had a similar weird reaction to something else they revealed coming stateside for the first time, which is a game that God maybe at some point I've learned about, but. It, it was too nerdy for me to really have my radar, but Live Alive is what this thing is called. It is an old Super Nintendo Square RPG that has never been brought stateside. And not only is it coming over here, but it's getting like an awesome HD 2D remaster yeah. to so make it uh, kind a of lot of Hanson, a lot of hipsters on Twitter already saying this is actually my favorite game of all time. I've just never talked about it until now. I've really been talking about it. All right, I can just search out Jason Schreier for you. It might uh, <laughs> be a shortcut. <laughs> it's actually, t- I, was, uh, I wasn't talking about Schreier, actually. Uh, it looks awesome. So it's coming out July 22nd. And like, I'm a sucker for any just new version or new incentive to play some long lost Square RPG. Like, I figure like Terranigma would make the cut before Live Alive. And it looks like it's a lot of different characters in different times. And it well, looks what, very what Octopath. What was funny was that like, it's like it's you know what we now think of as like oh the octopath art style is that kind of like beautiful 2D you know field of whatever but like also it turns out the plot is octopath except this came out before so octopath right. travelers was actually this that it's like seven separate stories over different timelines and you can play them in any order and like all, all of this stuff that it's like oh that octopath just copied this game that uh, i had never heard of until 30 minutes ago yeah yeah it, it seems cool um god i wish i knew about it i wish i was hip enough to be talking about that game for the last couple of years <laughs> uh all right sarah what what tickled your fancy um i was really excited to see mario strikers get another yeah. release because it kind of, it was one of, considered one of, like, the, the better or, like, best Mario sports games. But, like, That's not a lot of people picked it up when it first came out. Right, right. Uh, your your pitch and your voice is increasing further and yeah, further. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people picked it out, but, like, excited to have it back. It's soccer! Yeah, Mario Strikers Battle League. I thought it was going to be, like, some maybe weird online free-to-play thing. But it feels like, no, it's just another full Mario sports game coming to the Switch. Which, at this point... All of them are here, right? Like every Mario sports game is on the Switch. Am I missing anything? Did they have a baseball one ever? Ooh, Ooh they did. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Ooh, and also they don't, that, they don't even bring that one over though. That's yeah, fine. and there's like Mario three on three, that DS game where you played basketball that Square Enix developed. Uh, strangely yeah. enough, and then they're all Mario, Luigi, and Peach are in NBA Street Volume Three. That, oh, that's, yeah. that's right. That needs to come over here. But yeah, Mario Strikers Battle League. Um, hey, it's soccer, except you got a confusing amount of gear on it's just like they're uh people are picking the ball up there's no rules no it's chaos there's uh bananas people are exploding through the walls people that stands are dying um but anyways that's coming out uh june 10th and it looks it looks fun and wacky and the good news is it barely looks like soccer so fans are rejoicing out there <laughs> i do believe um all right check it out. you want to keep just going around all right uh i'll uh, i got another one um 
Those are not my me's playing uh, Wii Sports <laughs> Tennis and Bowling. What is it? So they announced something that I'm amazed it took this long, but Nintendo Switch Sports, which is like a spiritual successor to Wii Sports. I think they should have called it Wii Sports too. Yeah. I think they're cowards. You know what? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. They should yeah. Just call it Wii Sports. Just, yeah. <laughs> just have it be the same. You're going to confuse my grandparents. Like, they're not going to think it's the same thing. Right, right. They won't even recognize what sports are being played anymore. It's just... All completely... around the world, Wii's are getting thrown out of nursing homes and replaced <laughs> with Switches as we speak. God, I hope so. Uh, hey, Nintendo Switch Sports. Uh, tennis. Sword fighting, which I love that they include from uh, Wii Sports Resort, which is fantastic. Uh, bowling's in there. They got badminton, volleyball, soccer. Um, but it's not just soccer. It's super interactive soccer. You'll feel like you're there on the pitch because you can strap a Joy-Con to your leg and then kick at your TV so to make I think the giant that's ball a, go in. I think there are two modes of soccer, one in which you are playing it and one in which you're just like shooting on goal. And that's the one where you've got the leg strap. Oh, weird. Oh, OK, um, is what I picked up. Also, badminton is. I, I know they're different, but badminton is functionally just tennis, right? No. Like, what what's going Come to feel on. different about doing this when you're playing badminton versus tennis with you a got the Nintendo birdie, Switch controller? You got the, the nets a little bit higher, your, mm -hmm. your hit thing's a little bit small. I play All a lot of sports. that totally matters in real life, and I don't think on this. Look, it's another mode they can throw it in there. Come on, who's, who's going to knock it? Um, but yeah, so Nintendo Switch uh, Sports, and uh, the cool thing is that they have the old Wii Sports theme in there. You could hear it, and everybody knows Kyle. It goes and they're, they're like. adding golf oh. also. Oh, and in, in yeah. an update. Yeah, then golf yeah. is coming. Um, but Kyle, take it away. Nintendo's, Nintendo Wii Sports theme, take it away. Let's uh, let's talk. I mean, it's not not a ton to say about it, but I mean, Mother and Earthbound <laughs> on Wait, Switch. I thought what? I, was, I thought I was setting you up to sing the Wii Sports theme. Do -do -do -do. Oh, I thought you were giving me my turn. <laughs> Thank da, you, Sarah. You're on da, top of it. Da, da, uh, da, 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 da. Is that good? That's beautiful. But hey, DMCA, you take it down. We can't post this anymore. Nuke it for more of it. Nintendo knocking on your door. Kyle, boy, you ain't lying. Uh, they they served it up. The internet was losing its mind this morning because the creator of Earthbound retweeted the post about the Nintendo Direct and said, looks like snow or something well, like no, that. Well, no, he said it's 7 a.m. It looks like snow. Amazing. It might snow. <laughs> right, right. And of course, everybody knows that's a Twitter code for the fact that Earthbound is coming to Nintendo Switch Online, which is very exciting. And then they said, what about this, Earthbound fans? What if also... Earthbound Beginnings was releasing the original Mother game that they released on Wii U a while ago and nobody cared about. And Nintendo fans and Earthbound fans, what if we told you that it was available later today and it's just those two? Okay, goodbye. And that was it. <laughs> oh, no. Did we mention Live a Live? Please go check that out, everybody, if you want some obscure import. Don't look here from other three. Um, yeah. But still, cool. It'll be it'll be fun to have Earthbound That's on there. That's great. Uh, having Earthbound on the Switch, fantastic. Love it. Hey, I, my expectations were very much in check in terms of Mother 3, but so I'm happy to just have Earthbound. Yeah. Uh, also, weird things that were exciting um, for freaks like us. Uh, freak like me needs company, as the Green Goblin once sang on David Letterman. Um, <laughs> but uh, Klonoa is coming to Nintendo Switch. Klonoa 1 and 2 are getting remastered. Sarah. Yeah, it I looks know amazing, Ben. I can't wait to play it. I love Klonoa. 
Uh, see, Sarah didn't know what Klonoa was, and I'm, I'm trying to tell you, this is so up your alley. It really, it's like a <laughs> no, cute looking not. Sonic game, except it's fun to play, and Klonoa is actually That's exactly cool. what I don't want. So you want jank ass Sonic. Yes. <laughs> okay. How many times do you have to go over this? I don't play Sonic games because they're good. <laughs> okay, it's just like meme fuel? That's the way you're experiencing they're these just, freaky I things? Just, they're just dumb fun. Okay, all right. Well, Klonoa, coming to the Switch soon for some good fun, everybody. Uh, also, Portal 1 and 2 coming to the Switch, which is mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, fun to and see. And all, uh, all the Assassin's Creed 2s. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's true. Uh, funny way to and, say okay, that. actually, I'd want to talk about this briefly. Please. Uh, the Force Unleashed is coming, but yeah. it's like the when when they were making completely different versions of games for the Wii, and so it's that one, and so it looks like garbage. Wait. Wait. It's the Wii it's... one. Yes. Oh, I didn't. Oh, no, weird. I I didn't I didn't clock that. that yeah, because bizarre. they talked about it. It's like it's like it has the motion controls from the Wii, but also I was trying to figure out like. Why does this game look just terrible? And it's like because it's not a port of the Xbox or PS3 ones. It's the specifically the Wii version. I'm pretty sure that's bizarre. Weird. Uh, let's see other big things. One of the weirdest announcements, but I guess it's good news. Uh, there were so many rumors flying earlier this year about the next Mario Kart. And I remember the, the leaker was like, yeah, they're making a new Mario Kart, but this time it has a twist. And it turns out the twist was that they're not making a new Mario Kart because they're just making 48 new courses for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. A Mario Kart's point, worth of new tracks. It's insane. So you just change, take the 8, and then just make it a 9, and then be like, guess what? You're playing it all along. Yeah. Here you go. I mean, I feel like they... It's like they know, like, what else is there to add to Mario Kart? Like, with Mario Kart 8, they just, they did it. It's like, you made Mario Kart, now all that's left is to... It's, it's the same as Smash Ultimate. It's like, what else is there to add other than just anything you could possibly imagine? And it's like, the odds of them selling as many copies as they sold... How many copies have they sold for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? I mean, it's the best-selling game uh, all on the Switch. Uh, 400 million. Okay. But the idea that they could sell that again for Mario Kart 9, it's like, well, what are the odds of that? Versus like, we already have the install base, which is insane. So let's just release a stupid amount of DLC. Yeah. So right now it's uh, 39 million copies of just Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Nintendo Switch. And so here's 48 courses. It's a lot of remastered. It seems like damn near every old track from old Mario Kart games are going to be thrown in this thing, so... I mean, they're, they're all remastered, to be clear, right? There are no mm -hmm. new, 100% new tracks. It seems right? that way. Okay. But, but also, I mean, it's like, when they when they remaster, like, a track from, you know, like, the SNES, like, it's essentially a new track. You know, like, totally. they, they do a lot more than just kind of slap it in there. Yeah, uh, so it's going to be 25 bucks for all this stuff, uh, but also, if you have Nintendo Switch Expansion Pass online packy thing for the N64 games, then you get it for free, which is pretty cool. So, it's a weird one. Weird weird that mm -hmm. way, weird weird thing, weird thing rolled out that way, that just like I mean, that. Mario, is Mario Kart a platform at this point? Is that the future? Is it the Destiny approach, right? Like I guess. It's just so weird that, like, why do it now? Years and years after that remaster or port was released... They just suddenly realize maybe they're making all these new tracks and just realize like, what? let's just make a DLC. Why? Why make nine? It's just so bizarre that in 2022 we're getting all that new stuff. 
Um, there was a very exciting, dark, moody trailer that Kyle thought was Metal Gear Solid 2 being ported to the Nintendo Switch. And then, of mm-hmm. course, that is the new trailer for Splatoon 3, which every trailer is just getting weirder and weirder for the Splatoon franchise, unrecognizably so. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's for their horde mode, the salmon run. But how would you describe like the feel of this, Sarah, if you had to sum it all up? To me, it feels like you got a bunch of Gen Z together yeah. and like shipped them off to World War 3. Yep. I don't like it's like a bunch of squid kids going against like a Godzilla salmon in this really gritty war stricken port. <laughs> like I feel like I just missed something. Like I just looked away for a brief second and then I right. looked back and like Splatoon is in flames. No, it's like Whoa. it's like um, Akira Yamaoka from Silent Hill is making music for TikTok. And then that's the soundtrack. <laughs> <Like> yeah. <it's laughs> yes. The most disconcerting soundscape uh, of any game that they showed. I, I totally here. Just let's just listen to the audio a little bit. Just pay attention to this. Sarah, you're young and hip. Is this what kids like? This is like what my brain sounds like when I'm having anxiety. Like, this is the <laughs> only way I can describe it. That's what I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, I guess that's the point of uh, Splatoon these days is to make you feel uncomfortable with yeah. your brain. Like, well, it's a lot of environmental issues, you know, trying to float them to the top and get people to pay attention. Yeah. You should feel bad about the way the planet Earth is right now. Mm-hmm. Play Splatoon. Yeah. It's funny how uh, of Nintendo's major franchises... Uh, Splatoon, Kirby, uh, and Zelda are now officially post-apocalyptic. There are probably others that I'm forgetting. Pikmin. But it's like all of those games are, yeah, it's like, yeah, civilization happened a long time ago, and now we're fighting it out. Yeah. Yeah, Someone check in with the developers, please. Are they okay? (laughs) They're just looking out their windows, man. They're watching the snowfall. (laughs) Hey, real real quick, uh, by the way, just I... Just opened a tab real quick, and I saw that Chrono Cross it is coming to everything. Oh, so, okay. Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and Steam on April seventh. So that's confirmed by Square Enix. Oh, God, Kyle, I think that's that's too big to ignore. You can't not take the deepest dive into that. It's going to be on everything. You, you can't look away from it at that point. April seventh is Chrono Cross Day. Look, I played Chrono Trigger on my phone. They're going to have to bring it oh, to the phone <laughs> if they want it. me to do the deepest dive. Oh, you're nasty. <laughs> you're a nasty freak, Kyle. Yeah, uh, from the Splatoon universe. That's right. Uh, also, they closed out the big show with the big reveal of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Dun, 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 dun. A lot of leaks, all that fun stuff, but they're finally doing it. And the way they pitch this thing is, first of all, coming out September 2022. And then also they say it is it ties together the future of the worlds from Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2. And it kind of looks dark and moody. This is the adult version. This is like Digimon Season 3. Of the Xenoblade Chronicles serial, <laughs> if I may. Um, I don't know. Sarah, you worked on Xenoblade Chronicles X. <laughs> do, you have, do you feel yeah, affinity? Yeah, which is completely unrelated to the Xenoblade Chronicles 3. There's some connections to everything. I mean, it's all connected to Xeno years going way back there. But, I mean, do you have a weird connection when you see that pop up on a screen? Is it like, oh, I feel a special kinship with Xenoblade because of that work? I, it, honestly, the only thing is I just, I cannot believe how many accents they try to wedge into that game. <laughs> like, every character has a different, very distinct accent. Boy. Yeah. Do you like, remember when they said, uh, we're fighting because there are enemies to kill? 
I think. <laughs> uh, no, I remember when they said, we're fighting because there are enemies to kill. I remember that <laughs> that moment from the trailer. But uh, it's cool. I'm rooting for that game. I, it's, I feel like I, I feel guilty because I finished that first game. Well, obviously, I'm a big Xenogears fan, but I finished, well, and obviously, Xenosaga as well. But I finished uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1, but it was also one of those that was like a real slog by the end. Like, I'm proud that I did it, but it was like over 100 hours to see credits roll on that sucker. And so I didn't even start to. And now with this, it's just kind of this lingering pain, kind of this lingering reminder that I fell off from my Xeno love. So maybe this will get me back. But September, everybody. Um, anything else that we missed? Big things? Uh, that Disney cart racer looks good. Oh, my God. Yeah. So something that Kyle and I have been screaming about for a long time is in Disney Infinity 3. They had the Speedway, which... Well, and to be clear, Hanson, before you said that, we were yeah. screaming this at the developer <laughs> at their studio when they showed right. it to us. Yeah, for the Game Informer cover story trip. We said, what are you doing? Why are you burying this impressive Disney kart racing game within like six layers of menus and physical DLC with a thing you had to buy? Because like it was sumo, like it was the Sonic uh, racing team, uh, Sonic Unleashed. Um, is that what those racing games are called? I think so. Yeah. Sonic Transformed, yeah. all that stuff. Um, but it's like a talented racing studio. And like, it was just impossible to find this cool Disney kart racing mode. So I'm glad that they finally surfaced that. Um, they're going to be releasing it. It's going to be a free-to-play thing called Disney Speedstorm. So you can finally race all your favorite Disney weirdos. Oh, I, I missed free-to-play. That yeah. actually kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of dampens a, it a little for me. I thought, I thought that was kind of gross because it's just like... It's like so targeted towards kids. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is a game that kids play. And so it's like, yeah. all right... Kids, steal your parents' credit card and buy a costume for Jack Sparrow. Like that's, Cinderella. that's what it felt like. I mean, yeah. but have you ever played? Sarah, help me out. Tumi Tumi, Sumi Sumi. What is? What are those things called? Like the free to play? Oh, fat Sumsums. Sumsums. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there's so many of those free to play Disney things, and also just like yeah, but that's a mobile game. That's like a very specifically a mobile audience. So you feel like also, that's different? It's also, it's also still bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's of so course, I'm just saying that like, played a lot of Zoom Zoom. I'd say most of these free to play games are being catered towards kids at this point. Right? It's yeah. also it's interesting that that Disney game is being developed by uh, that big mobile developer Game, game Loft. Loft. Yeah, is that where it's like I thought it was interesting that they said creator of the Asphalt series yeah. and like didn't even put context around that because it's assumed that like that is big enough and that's just a big mobile racing game. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it is odd. Uh, there's the new Dynasty Warriors Fire Emblem game. That's right. Yep. That's right. Don't forget it. Um, he has officially said it, and we all remember it's called Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. So there we go. And we knew we immediately go. that it was a Muso. We knew exactly Absolutely. what was happening. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right when we said it. Yep. Don't look at the reaction stream that we did, which is up now on YouTube. But yeah, June 24th, 2022 for that sucker. Um, that's it. That, those are the big beats. Honestly, June and April are stacked. Like everything was June or April. I think this year might explode from the amount of games. Just like the first Uh, half of this year, it's Metroid Dread, Boss Rush. Yeah, all going back, doing that. Yep, can't wait. (laughs) Oh, uh, the most important thing: the Kingdom Hearts Collection um, is officially called Kingdom Hearts Collection Intergrum Masterpiece for Cloud. (laughs) Is it inter or is it inter? Inter R, isn't it? I think so. Because there's Intergrade, which is Final Fantasy VII, but then, of course, Kingdom Hearts is Intergrum Masterpiece for Cloud is the official name. Just when you thought Kingdom Hearts couldn't get any cooler. I did. I there's did no just R in Google. It. I Googled it. 
Oh, Integrum. you're totally right. In- I'm sorry. And well, it makes sense now. It's Integrum Masterpiece for uh-huh. Cloud. I'm it sorry. It makes sense now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, if you Google Integrum, you will find a company that provides innovative solutions for bone-anchored prostheses. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's a Kingdom is Hearts even, 14. Is that a, is this what you're I saying? assume. Yeah. Good times. Uh, so that's Nintendo Direct. Uh, you can check out the reaction on our YouTube channel if you want. Um, Jacob Geller, you were screaming. You said, please, for the love of God, if we're talking about games on this podcast, I need to talk about a game that, to be fair, I don't think any of us have played, but I feel guilty for having not played it now, but Vampire Survivors. Um, okay, here's the thing. You shouldn't feel guilty about not playing it, because once you start, it will ruin your life. Ooh, uh, I'm as interested. As mine and almost my entire friend group. Uh, I don't. I don't like to use the words, like, addictive with games or yeah. whatever, but it's like... I cannot stop playing this thing to to kind of a like deranged level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard Jeff Gersman on the Bombcast a while ago talking about this game. It feels very up his alley, where it's just kind of like nasty, borderline idle game nonsense on the screen. It's, I mean, so it has it has all the kind of hallmarks of an idle game in that it's like it is truly just a numbers go up game yeah um but you are like you're playing it like you're you're a character and you're moving around and you're like doing combat and so there is actual skill to like not dying but it is truly just it's just it looks like a you know the the sprites are like a you know snes castlevania type thing where it's just kind of like mummies and bats and stuff (laughs) and they're walking towards you and you're just getting power-ups to the extent where like you know, you are growing exponentially basically every three minutes. And in response, the game is just throwing more and more stuff on screen at you. And so it's like you just get stronger so fast. And and the kind of screen is just like filled with the stuff. And then between runs, you can also invest in like permanent upgrades and whatever. But it's like it's three dollars. It's three dollars. It's very early access. And it's just like. I I have run out of podcasts to listen to because I've Ooh. been listening to podcasts while playing this game. That's and a I'm sign like, of a I'm good out game. Of podcasts. Wow, you're on Steam. You're playing this? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah there I a... don't think it's it. It is like if it comes out for Switch, Civilization is over. But right now, it's <laughs> only for Steam. And is there like a story, or is it mostly no, not just at like all. it's you're in a okay. field and there are zombies? Weird. Yeah. Ooh, it might be for mobile. Yeah, it's on Android apparently, Kyle. So I know oh, you don't got one of those. I don't know what that is. Yeah, uh, Vampire Survivors is the name of that thing. Yeah, we should check it out. You're right. It's going to be a big talker probably at the end of the year. No, I think technically it came out in December, but it feels like one of those that is growing to a ridiculous degree. But have you heard of a game called How Is Fish Made? Hey, honestly, Jacob Geller? Jacob, Jacob. This is exactly up your alley. Have you heard of a game called... What was it again, Sarah? How Is I Fish think- Made? How Google fish this. is made? How fish is made? Yeah, have you seen this? Because uh, no, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Because uh, Hideo Kojima tweeted about it. <laughs> Hideo Kojima is all about it. So this it's game, free game on Steam. That's right. So uh, we launched a new show on Tuesday on Twitch, and the archives on YouTube now, uh, and it's called Steam Secret Stash, and it's Sarah and I going through all of the games that were released in January on Steam. I kind of don't even want to... I I know this is a podcast and you have to talk about it, but I'm like on the store page and it's like, I don't want to hear any more about this. We won't spoil it. We won't spoil it. But, uh, you know, the games that we were checking out were of varying degree and then we booted up 
how fish is made. How fish is made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is immediately like, this is on another level. I was immediately skeptical, like, what is happening here? Is this some frog fractions thing? There's this feels too deliberate, and I don't know who made it and how, but it feels like a Dreamcast game where you're flopping around as a fish, and it's only like 30 minutes, it's Sarah? It's like 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're an artsy-fartsy Jacob Geller type, with all uh, due respect, uh, I think you should check mm-hmm. out How Fish is Made. But it is a horror game, but it's like not that scary. But if you're like squeamish, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, yeah, it's very big into wor- wor- warning you that like if you don't like the... Was it tryptophobic? What's it called? Where you're yeah. scared of holes and bodies? Like yeah. holes and skin. I mean, I have I have friends who are specifically uh, have phobias of a fish, but they oh, would probably not, not even get to the download page of this one. Yeah, I don't think so, but it's a good time. Um, do you get that a lot, Jacob Geller, by the way? Now that you're a, a hit uh, YouTuber, do a lot of people just say, hey, artsy guy, you'll like this game no matter what? Uh, yeah, I would pay $100 for people to stop telling me to play <laughs> Cruelty Squad. Um, <laughs> It's it's like I appreciate when I get stuff like this because I've never heard of this game and right. I will play it. But usually it's like it's games that are fairly popular and I just haven't talked about publicly. And people are like, Jacob hasn't heard of this and it's going to blow his mind. <laughs> right, right. Uh, hey, uh, Jacob Geller, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, fish? Fish, that's right, everybody. Fish, which you can find at patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. If you're wondering how we exist and where all these wonderful questions are coming from that are submitted each week for the show, you can find out by just going to check out patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. We reworked some of the tiers recently, so find a tier that's right for you. We would appreciate it. And thank you to some of our biggest supporters, like the fine folks who made Star Wars Jabba's Palace a love letter game. Did you watch the Book of Boba Fett? Did you say Jabba's Phallus? Jabba's Phallus. Jabba's Phallus? That's the place for me? You know that one there, Anson? Nope. Leaving it in. (laughs) Then you can say, I would like to live inside of Jabba's Palace by playing this tabletop game for two to six players. Uh, It is a great entryway into tabletop gaming, so you can check that out. And I think it's just cool that there's a Star Wars tabletop game that we get to plug on this podcast. So you can check that out. Uh, we'll be doing a giveaway later in this month as well, so please look forward to that. It's uh, Love Letter is the core game, then this is a Jabba's Palace variant of it. I'm looking forward to playing it soon, and I'll let you know what I think about that. Uh, also, thank you to the fine folks at Diverge Coffee. They say, hey everybody, Bryn- Bryant and Nick here from Diverge Coffee. We just wanted to thank you again for all the support. We hope all of you wonderful MinMaxers have enjoyed the coffee you've gotten from us. If you haven't yet, check us out at Diverge Coffee and use code MINMAX for 15% off any order. Again, that's DivergeCoffee.com. Discount code MINMAX with two N's. And thank you to the fine folks at Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1. Uh, but look, I've been talking about this thing forever. It's a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro Controller, then you slide the screen on top of that. But look, Ian T. Clark, unprompted from the community, he submitted a, a comment over there on Patreon. He says, hey, Ian T. Clark here. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the MinMax sponsor, Fixture S1. I used the Amazon link to order one for my son as a gift and he absolutely loves it. He uses it every day. Isn't that nice? That is nice. That is nice. Uh, also, thank you to I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the Spiritfarer Collector's Edition from Thunder Lotus, available on Switch and PlayStation. Uh, it is an I Am 8-Bit exclusive. It has a fully functional Everlight replica as well from the game, which is very cool. Uh, and it has a Constellation Lantern display box. Who doesn't love Spiritfarer? It's just the best. Jacob Keller, I assume you love Spiritfarer? 
Oh, I love Spirit Fair. There we go. Great. Uh, so you can check out that collector's edition on I'm Ape, It's Wonderful online store. And if you want to check that out and anything else in the store that's under $100, you can use the promo code TIGERSTYLE for 10% off. TIGERSTYLE for 10% off everything in their wonderful online store. So help support I'm Ape, It because they ship out a prize each and every week to the Minimax community. And this week, they're shipping out a copy of Etherborn on PlayStation 4, a physical game. They're shipping out, and all you have to do is just support us on Patreon, submit a good question, and then win question of the week. It's totally doable, everybody. Um, Kyle, we have so many good questions that I don't think you can handle it, dude. I don't want to hear about them. They intimidate me. I understand that. Okay, well, bye, Kyle. All right, I'm clapping out. See you. Bye. Leo Vader, welcome to the big show, dude. Uh, You're welcome for having you. (laughs) What is this new character you're working on? Or is that just you, man? I'm a musician now. Really? Yeah, and I decided to start living kind of the artist's lifestyle. Wow. And what makes you a musician? What makes you so proud of your abilities? I'm unveiling my new song today. Are you kidding me? On this very podcast? On this very podcast. One month ago, I made the promise that I'd make a song. This is your better quest That was a month ago? Yeah. My God. Can you even remember a waking moment when you weren't working on the song, Leo? I was a different person. <laughs> Those <laughs> memories are gone now. All right. So Leo set a goal for himself that he wanted to write a song. And by the way, we encourage everybody uh, to write in with your own personal goal. We'll read it on the show and hold you accountable. And if you don't make it, we'll scold you straight up. Um, <laughs> so Leo has been wanting to write a song. Can you send this song to me somewhere, Leo? Absolutely. Okay, great. <laughs> God, I'm starting to think maybe we need to write music. And that's the key to confidence in life. Worked for me. Yeah. Do you have any uh, tips for people out there that want to get writing a song? Like, what, what did you use software? Where, where are you going for this? I, um, I learned a few things in this journey. Yeah. Uh, Kobe Soft Joe, I went and visited him again in lacrosse, and he right. walked me through a lot of the problems I've been having that have prevented me from uh, making this level of art before right right for for me the big issue was finding software that clicked with me ableton i think makes a lot of sense coming from garage band experience but no longer having an apple computer yeah i think ableton is a great recommendation for that and i think having the audio driver osseo for all is makes it so you don't have latency when you're using a midi input and that's something that's made it really unsatisfying for me to make music for so long but it was just that one little thing (laughs) That right. I needed to figure out. And now I can jam out. Now, Hang on, keyboard next. I've had forever hooked up via MIDI to Ooh, my mixer. That's and good. I can just jam out whenever I like. And it's really empowering. Leo, this isn't fair. You were already cooler than us. And now you're just like on another <laughs> level. This is like Goku going mm-hmm. full instinct mode. Like we can't even get near you. This is the problem with Better Quest. <laughs> I've become better than you. <laughs> better Quest, I've become a god. <laughs> Uh, Leo, where'd you send me this stupid thing? <laughs> I'm sending it to you on Discord right now. Oh, okay. Slack would work better if there's an option, but... Okay, it's an option. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, any setup? Should we sit and listen? No one... Uh, for my first song, I thought it would be fitting for me to tackle the whole of humanity and its uh, experience on this earth. Okay, great. Uh, um, so it kind of sums up that whole uh, journey. And is there a name for the song? It's called Leo's Masterpiece. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's sit back and enjoy Leo's Masterpiece. Thanks to Better Quest. In a time before time. 
Absolutely. Eat our butt, Jeff Keeley. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. More debut songs should have gunshots in them. Is <laughs> it too much to ask? Leo, if people wanted to put that on at a party, where could they find it, do you think? Oh, it's not anywhere. <laughs> they, have to, they have to download this podcast right. and then yeah. isolate that sound clip. Yeah, it's kind of an exclusive thing. You wouldn't understand basic listeners. Sweet. All right. Hey, Leo, I thought we talked about slow clap earlier in the podcast with Sifu, but Leo. I'm for fast clap. Yeah, no kidding, buddy. Way it to really go. It really did sound like the Splatoon, like it was borderline <laughs> Splatoon 3-esque. Like I really caught your vibe. Yeah, it was borderline legal actionly close to Splatoon mm-hmm. soundtrack, if I had to describe it. We are both inspired by the human race, you know? Can you see that? <laughs> oh, I see it. We're picking up what you're putting down. Hey, Peter Slater, also inspired by the human race, the race side over on Patreon, he says, Hey, gang, might sound like a strange slash simple question, but are games toughest at the beginning or at the ending? At the start of a game, you don't have resources, skills, or knowledge that you do at the end. So can the start of a game ever be the hardest part? There's something to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think... I think most most quote unquote hard games are hardest at the beginning. Like all of the souls, Returnal, probably Sifu, even though I'm like not that far into it. You yeah. know, it's like because you don't you don't know like how you are supposed to adapt to the difficulty yet. And so it's like once you reach the end of a souls game, it's like, sure, I'm going to die a bunch. And like, this is what the game is expecting me to do and that's fine but at the beginning 
you're like, I guess I just suck at this and I'm not making any progress. I, I have no idea why. Yeah, and I'm uh, dumb and bad at games and I'm so stupid and I'm a, a bad boy. But like, I assume we all have that situation though where like, you're starting a game and they're throwing tutorial screens, just mm-hmm. tutorial screens at you left and right and your brain just can literally not process. It normally happens when I'm mm-hmm. streaming where I, I just, I know there's text on the screen and I try and read it. My brain just cannot absorb the information and then I move on. So I, I think that's always common in the beginning of games. You always just seem like an idiot flailing around, right? Yeah, there's a reason there. Uh, it's daunting to start a new game versus play something you're, you already know and love. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And even if the challenge is higher at the end, yeah, you know the groove. You know what the game is capable of, you know? Uh, so there you go, Peter. You're not nuts. Uh, Chris H. writes in and says, Hey, cohorts, what do you think are the most over or underrepresented foods in all of video games? Over or oh, under? Yeah. Overrepresented over- for their presence in, in real life? I think so. I think so. Yeah, more often in games? For, yeah. for overrepresented, I was thinking like whole rotisserie chickens. Yes. Exactly what I was mm. thinking too. Like brawlers, monster hunter, like the full turkey with the legs, like that whole look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how many times in your life has that actually been in front of you? Well, it depends. I mean, I mean great deal at Costco. Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can get them. That's true. But That's true. Uh, I don't. Yeah, the the whole kind of like presentation with the with the legs and everything is mm-hmm. a uh, a rare treat. Yeah. Uh, what about this? I think if you accept it my panel of peers um it would be number one but mushrooms i mean think about how many mushrooms you've consumed in games versus real life one million to one (laughs) but do you consume the mushrooms as food though because you're talking about mario mushrooms do you think that's a good point he never puts them in his mouth like nada he just kind of touches it it just kind of like rubs against his shin Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it kind of does the job yeah that's a good point. I mean, it, like in, you know, there are other games when you eat mushrooms and like in Fortnite, you're eating mushrooms. Okay. All right. Maybe. But hang on. Is, has there ever been a depiction of Mario outside of the upcoming film, which Sarah's very excited to talk about in depth and we're going to do a commentary track for, mm-hmm. but where he actually opens his mouth and like, oh, like Sonic with a chili dog level. In, I mean, okay. Can I, if, it, if I may, my theory yeah. on this is uh, they never thought you could possibly interpret him doing anything else. <laughs> by him walking up to a mushroom and it disappearing? What are the alternatives? Well, we proved them wrong. Yeah. Is it too um, much to ask in, for him to pick In, it up? like, Paper Mario, you're having, like, shroom shakes and shroom steaks, which yeah. implies that, like, those are the upgraded versions, and the downgrade would be you're just popping them in your dumb mouth. Right. Yeah, I still don't see him swallow. I must... There has to be some Mario animation I'm not thinking of, of him actually putting it in his mouth, but... Um, and then... And, Oh yeah. Go in ahead. terms of underrepresented, uh, water, like <laughs> yes! drinking water. Yes. <laughs> Is it too much to ask? Like, has a character ever talked about being thirsty in any game ever? Maybe like Uncharted Three in the desert. Do you think Nathan Drake is like, I want water? Something along those. Look, I'm no actor or writer, but you get the idea. I, I did get the sense he wanted water. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you. Yeah, because I, I need I need to see the movie to be sure. <laughs> see if he's thirsty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I oh, always, he drank water as a kid. That's why. Oh, interesting. <laughs> He's kind of addicted <laughs> to this stuff. Yeah, I think water has to be number one. Or even like um, what like a light snack, like chips or candy. You know, it has to be like a big meal in a video game, but it's never just like a one little tiny little something, you know? 
I don't know, all my video games, primarily, they have food in them, right? Like Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, The Sims, they all have food. Yeah, but like, you never, you never snack it. I get it, but you're not snacking in, in Harvest Moon. Sims has chips. Sims has chips, you're saying. Yeah, Stardew yeah. Valley, like, Valley has like granola bars. Okay, yeah. all right, that's fair. Uh, Mike Lynch writes in, he says, hey, everybody, uh, with, the sh- uh, with a chip shortage, hey, no shortage on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, hey, you know what I mean? With the chip <laughs> shortage... Look, we crack the almighty <laughs> artist. He is mortal after all. <laughs> hey, with the chip shortage keeping many people from buying a new Xbox or PlayStation console, do you think this console generation will be longer than normal? Or are we going to see a new generation in 2026 and 2027? That's Wait, interesting. So, so this, this one being people are having a hard time buying a PS5 now. So right. will that mean that like, the okay. I think it's there's something confusing because it's like, well, they can't get them now. <laughs> right. And I don't even I think know they're getting longer anyways. Right. Like, I think yeah. naturally we're sort of like catching up. Everything's kind of catching up like PCs, consoles. We're hitting that point right now. Yeah. And so I think they're just going to get longer anyways. But I don't know if the chip shortage will have anything to or, do with it. Or yeah, there I will agree. be more kind of interstitial like PS5 Pro. Totally. Mm. I think that's absolutely going to happen. And so no lead. Yeah, so like in two years or something like that, we'll get the the big pro version, a new version of an Xbox series, and that'll be the start of another little generation. Um, but yeah, there was that report where um, Nintendo recently said, and I forget who exactly within Nintendo, um, but they said that we see the Switch as being in the middle of its life cycle right now. And everyone said, ah, middle? It's been five years. Um, but it's like, I mean, that doesn't seem that outrageous. I mean... They probably would say the same about like the 3DS, even though it's like, yeah, it's going to quietly peter off, but we're going to keep supporting it for longer than you think. Is that what they said in the middle? Because that yeah. kind of could be really interpreted very broadly. Yeah, I think I think the wording was something like that. Yeah. The middle chunk could be 10 years long, you know? Yeah, never know. Um, but yeah, I think uh, regardless, I think it's going to be a longer generation. Uh, Andrew Jandick writes in. He says, hey, gang. And this is kind of self-serving, but you know what? It's our podcast, so everybody buckle up. He says, Serve hey, just last week I discovered the exclusives podcast ability. This is MinMax's exclusive podcast ability to be on my favorite podcast app. For a long time, I've just been wanting to listen more, but don't have time to sit at my computer and open the browser. Uh, in summation, I'm jacked and excited. Thanks for the content. I'm 32 and I should know how to use the whole RSS thing. I think there are a surprising number of people that have access to the exclusive podcast feed at the $5 tier over here on Patreon for MinMax. And they just listen through like the Patreon site or the Patreon app. But no, if you support us at that tier, you get an RSS feed link and then you just copy and paste it into whatever podcast service you use normally, whatever app you use. And it's all right there. Just and then it's everything. It's early access to the MinMax show. Yeah. It's the deepest dive. It's a ton, a ton of stuff. Our Patreon exclusive it's podcast like party chat. 30 seconds one time, and then you never have to worry about it again. That's right. And then it's heaven for the rest of your life. Uh, (laughs) Stephen Lamson writes in, um, and he says, hey, Ben's recent podcast post, I think this was like a tweet. He said, it got me thinking. Do you think the amount of gaming podcasts you listen to negatively affects the podcast you produce? Are you worried that other people's opinions will taint your own reactions? Um, Yeah, I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts, and I, I like it. I just had a moment uh, this last weekend. I don't know if you all have had this moment in your life of just like, what have I been doing a lot recently and how could I lean into that harder? <laughs> I just had the moment of like, maybe I should listen to more gaming podcasts. It's something that I guess I've consumed my life with since 
listening to one up back in the day. So what if I just leaned all the way in? So I asked for like uh, gaming podcast recommendations on Twitter and somehow it exploded in a ridiculous way. And I, it's just impossible to sort through all that stuff. Um, but I like listening to gaming podcasts. Like Jacob, Geller, you're on gaming podcasts. You listen to a lot. Do you feel like, do you feel like it throws you off? I do. No, I think it's I mean, I think there's there's an interesting distinction to be made here, which is like I think listening to other people talk about stuff is great. And will it's like, you know, I think it will refine your own opinion of being like, yeah, you know, or just your ability to talk about stuff. What I don't like and I do think is kind of a symptom of this is when you feel like you have to couch what you're saying in things that you have heard 30 other people say on podcasts. Right, right. You know, like, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, like, saying that, like, well, everyone is saying that this game is this. Yes. But I think, it's like, well, we're just listening to you. Like, just say, just say the thing that you think. Um, so it's like that kind of, you might feel like you're a part of a conversation that the listener is not, ha- like, hasn't listened to any part of. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I've also heard like the opposite in some way where I'll say I'll hear somebody say something on a podcast that's so specific, just like a specific take on a game. And then I think like, oh, I just heard Bombcast say that last week. You know, so I always I can if you listen to enough gaming podcasts, you can kind of feel the takes kind of slipping around and going down the big podcast opinion tree. And so it's it's tough if you cite it and tough if you don't. So I don't really know how you get around that. Uh, but for me, like I don't listen to gaming podcasts uh before we record so bombcast comes out every tuesday and i won't listen to it until we record on wednesday until after that just because i'm always worried about repeating their takes and all that fun stuff or like if we're doing the deepest dive on pokemon legends arceus per se like i'll skip all those segments until we record our big discussion about just to try and go in a little bit fresh leo do you listen to gaming podcasts anymore have you kind of cooled on that i've cooled on it yeah i i kind of do like hearing more takes though and being able to go like oh this is something that hasn't been expressed like not i can invent a take from it but it's like oh everybody this isn't completely known about this game and i can try and go a different direction with it yeah yeah maybe something to that um fetsum kadano writes in he says hello min max question for you if you had to be in solitary confinement for a year but it meant that you'd never have to worry about the money problems you have would you do it absolutely not yeah i feel like that's a wait no <laughs> what it's only a year okay uh, just to like th- save on this rent? is important <laughs> well, look into research that has been done on solitary confinement it's it like doesn't seem important. it is considered torture for a reason no yeah, you no. won't be the same person yeah, but just think, you won't have to Arguably, pay rent for Arguably, maybe year. I would. Honestly, put me in that room, get me all my subscription services, get me, like, unlimited books. I think I'll be okay. Ooh, yeah, it depends, I guess, on what you get. What you get. Okay, okay, so don't this, is not, this is not being in this is, You're not, like, sitting in a box, right? Because what the question said, like, what would, what would it take to get you to do it? And yeah. for me, it's unlimited access to HBO and Hulu <laughs> and Netflix okay. and Crunchyroll. But I think, well, Fetzum's asking about, like, just to dodge money problems. They say, I think it would be tough, but the prospect of not having to worry about bills, mortgages, and I'd be free to pursue more experiences well, might make all it... my money problems? I mean, when you be, yeah, when you have $100 billion at the end of it, or would you just, like, not no. have to pay your mortgage? No, but I guess that's the question, Jacob Geller, is how much would you go in solitary confinement for, for a year, 
let's say you, zero well, like i would never do it that you could you could it give me all the money in the world i like wouldn't survive that year yeah but do we mention it's money you know you like that dirty money you could think about your money <laughs> <laughs> but if i sat in a room and thought about unlimited money for a year i would definitely come out a cool and well-adjusted <laughs> that's the money mindset bro <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I've read self-help books. Some people really encourage that, actually. <laughs> okay, Sarah, so it's like, yeah. we're talking prison-level solitary confinement, but but the bed is excellent, mm-hmm. and you have a CRT television with yeah. with only HBO Max. And only HBO Max? Yep, and you would get mm-hmm. um, $1 million at the end of it. I would do it. You do it. Yeah. Well, because, like, I have lived in solitary situations. Like, I've lived in Japan for a year. I have, like... And there's people there, obviously. But it's, like, I've lived in situations where it's just been me. How did you get out of that... How did you get out of that Japanese prison, by the way? I mean, to ask you. I got a job in Los Angeles. Smart. (laughs) The Japanese loophole. I just... I'm not... Like, I... I think I could do it. If I had entertainment... Yeah. Do I think you, I could do it. Eventually, like, yeah, time would cease to have meaning. You got to bargain for more than a million dollars, at least. I don't no, know. Don't tell her. Seriously. That's the, I think about uh, on, age. Uh, Succession, one of the shows that you could watch on your CRT in Solitary <laughs> Confinement. Uh-huh. They talk about, and it's like, they're all rich, horrible people, but they're like, oh, $2 million is like the worst amount of money to have because like you, you won't, it's not enough to live off of forever, mm-hmm. but you won't want to work because it feels like, like the money That's you'll be making thing. I won't, won't be have to work. when yeah. i'm in solitary confinement i won't have to respond to anybody's emails it'll just be I mean, piling it probably up though costs out, though. very little to just live in one room uh by yourself for a year so like you could just save up and do that and then you wouldn't have to work jacob Geller, i'm sick of you coming on this podcast and just coming up with a thousand reasons why people should not lock themselves in solitary dollars. confinement. Yeah, they want the money or not. So, Sarah, are you like one of those people that, like, with the pandemic, you never had a moment of, like, I need social interaction no. screaming out the window? No. Yeah. I kind of. That's why, I, yeah. No. I scared myself. I was kind of in that arena as well. I think now I'm getting hey, a little bit You antsy. don't feel like you need to go outside anymore? I can go outside, but I, I was shocked that I didn't have more of those moments of, like, I just need friends in a room right now I, i've had a couple moments in the last six months or so but i think like peak covid panic dark period I, I wasn't freaking out as much as i expected so i don't know leah are you feeling antsy for big room full of friends um i definitely when it happens i see the appeal of it for sure i go <laughs> oh, yeah i missed this right but right. i could also was surprised how long i could go without it partially because of like vr chat and having very fulfilling digital hangs. Oh, the metaverse. Yeah. All right. The metaverse, because I want to be there. Heck yeah. <laughs> Have you been to the, the metaverse yet, Leo? Um, not the Facebook metaverse. Okay. Are you going to go ever? I'd love to visit. How do you get into it? Is it like exclusive? Is it like invite only? A college email address. I don't know. Facebook, Oculus has like Facebook Horizons or whatever mm-hmm. on Oculus Quest. Is that the closest we have to the metaverse at this point? I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be very easy for me to, but I have I think they that. would pay you $1,000 to just go on and say, hey, this is cool. I like Facebook's metaverse. 
Yeah. <laughs> do you think they'd let me do a show with my one two minute song? <laughs> I think they probably would. Yeah. But then afterwards, cool. they lock in solitary confinement. <laughs> uh, Guy Bones writes in and he says, or he asks, any unexplained phenomenon, sort of experiences you've had? One time, my soundbar was emitting a quiet talk radio like sound that I couldn't understand. Oh, and the soundbar was off. It stopped after a couple minutes and has never done it before or since in the 10 years I've had it. I chalked it up to some weird frequency thing. <laughs> That's disturbing. I, I, that'd be terrifying. Do you remember when we were setting up for Extra Life oh at Game Informer God. and just through an XLR cable plugged into a shotgun microphone on top of a camera through the mixer, we were hearing the radio? I forgot about that. Yeah, we're just setting up mics. All of a sudden, it was like conservative AM talk show. It was like, what is happening? And we literally just had to like untangle cables until it stopped. <laughs> we had to like pull cables further apart. I forgot about that. That was so weird. Very strange. It's, isn't it weird to think that like that's going through you right now? Like so many airwaves of people talking on the radio. Isn't that yeah. cool? Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's cool? I can feel it. Yeah. Yep, I can feel it. Yep. Cool. <laughs> I don't know, Jacob Keller, you got any freaky stuff going on over there? Uh, yeah. Once. Okay, this was not uh over there in North Carolina, but I was I was uh camping in like a desert once and we were all like oh this will be cool we'll like sleep out under the stars like we don't need tents it's it's cool out here whatever (laughs) and in in the middle of the night there was this sound that sounded like like a stampede of horses running running towards me and like i shot up and like it wasn't just me the people that i was with also woke up and we looked around and it was like pretty bright because the moon was out and there's like nothing anywhere near us uh but it was it was a very clear sound okay how long do you talk about that before we go back to sleep i don't know i mean it was yeah it was just like guess it's weird out here in the desert Hunkshu, hunkshu, you just immediately back asleep. <laughs> That's insane. I would at least like try and sleep on a giant rock, tremor style or something. Like I would want to get somewhere oh, where there's smart. not going to be a stampede. Yeah. Bury yourself. Yes. Who would be exactly. stampeding in the desert? I mean, it's like I my thought was like a camel, I guess. Like, oh, someone's <laughs> like you know riding a camel, but like there there was not anyone. <laughs> Sounds like it could have been like a bizarre echo. I can't. <laughs> Uh, how how many drugs were flying around here? Zero. Zero Stone drugs. Stone cold sober. Yeah. Stoned well, cold no, sober. Well, no, maybe drunk, but like not nothing that would no like hallucinogens. Jesus Christ, that's good. That's a really good one. Uh, we're all completely sane. We haven't had weird experiences. Uh, Marshall Banana writes in and says, with all the Dying Light Two coverage, I was wondering about first person camera games. Is the camera really first person? Is if we're supposed to be seeing through the character's eyes, or is it like the character is wearing a body cam? I'm wondering because it seems like in any first-person game, you can only see the hands and sometimes part of the wrists. But in real life, I can see all the way up to my shoulders, chest, waist, legs, etc. Yeah, that's the question. It's always like first-person games, they should have like a little light, hazy black part for your nose, right? Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. You can kind of see parts of your nose. If you really think I mean, about it, Leo, Leo, and I, as as VR uh, aficionados, know that it's like there there are some games when you have VR where you can look around and like see your shoulders, and it's kind of weird. Um, but I feel like the hard part is like you can't do 
the out of focus part of your vision on a screen because then you could just look at it and be like why is that blurry right god i am um... <laughs> all right let me let me try and set this up this is a this is going to be a puzzle to explain but somebody wrote in to the patreon and i didn't include their question i'm sorry but we're we're talking about it now um and they wrote in about there's a new olympics promo that's like a jurassic world dominion crossover promo did you see this leo i think so unless there's multiple um and so it's like an olympics commercial where there's like a skier and then there's like a velociraptor running next to her and all this absurd nonsense to try and promote the movie and olympics on nbc or whatever and there's a shot that i thought was so stupid i actually clipped it and made a gif of it because i'm like i don't know when this will come in handy but maybe at some point and it's sean white snowboarding and then he looks in the woods and there's like a brachiosaurus looking at him and just a close-up of his visors and in the visors they do a rack focus from his face to the reflection of the dinosaur in his goggles <laughs> and i really it wasn't until i was making the gift that it was like that makes no sense like the reflection is the reflection it's not like the dinosaur is there you can't change the focus and going deeper into his glasses yeah and that's the moment when sean white snowboarding looking at a brachiosaur in the face the illusion was shattered i couldn't pay attention to the rest of the commercial i'm sorry to hear that that's i okay. recently watched this movie anon on netflix anon didn't like it yeah. it does a lot of first person shots though and it, when they have a first person murder scene where the person's holding a gun they go full-on doom with it with the revolver in the oh, center weird. middle bottom of the screen <laughs> and it's so silly to envision somebody holding a gun like that it's crazy how much like sillier that looks in Ooh. film than in a video game that's absurd i used to make uh paintball videos where I would make it look like gold nine, like hold my paintball gun in the lower right and then like march around the paintball field. And that was like, actually I got an award that year. It said peak cool guy. Uh, so, Oh, I lost the award. That's the award I got. <laughs> oh, this year. Like this. <laughs> oh, enjoy it. Victor fam writes in and says, has criticism of a game regarding cultural depictions, uh, or something of that nature ever put you off from playing a game? Reading about the cultural issues in Sifu has personally put me off from playing that game. Even though the game itself looks fun to play. I'm having trouble thinking of specific examples, but yeah. definitely that stuff can like get in your craw and you're like, mm -hmm. this just is losing all appeal to me because I have like know too much about it now. Huh. Are we talking? I mean, that? that's it's happening to me with Sifu. Really? Like, you know, it's like I, I am I still intend on playing more of that game and like I think it's cool, but like it it sucks to kind of I wouldn't want to like uh wholeheartedly be like this game is great without then contextualizing that sort of stuff. And like, uh, you know, that kind of makes me not want to play it because it it's the, you know, it's a bummer to kind of have to temper your praise for something with like, well, if you look past the whole cultural insensitivity thing, which is like, and I don't want to do that because like, I'm a white guy, and so telling people to look past the cultural insensitivity <laughs> is then like, well, I can do that easily because it doesn't affect me. I, uh, I, I was a little confused. I just saw people making some tweets about Sifu, and I know this is impossible to put on anybody to explain, but is, what, what's the takeaway from what the cultural insensitivity? I know it's like a, what, French team making a game about China, and that was just what people were hung up on? Yeah, there's a there's a good article on, I believe, the gamer that that kind of runs through it. But essentially, it's just kind of like the the thing that often pops up when you have a team 
made up of people who are not a culture making something about the culture, which is like it's using a lot of iconography, but not really saying anything, you know, like all of Sifu is is basically it's like it's more about the locales of like martial arts films than it is right. about China, which, you know, like on some sense is understandable, but also it's like, well, but you made this game so specifically in China that like now when you just the entire game is like back alleys and, you know, people using these like good luck beads, it it seems. And, and there's the whole uh, the press kit that was sent out. That was the uh, the the gift shop of a Chinese restaurant put in a box. Um, huh. So. Yeah, it just it just seemed like it 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 wasn't that it was specifically racist as much as it was like using a culture as a backdrop for a cool punching story that they wanted to tell. Okay, Mm -hmm. huh? Uh, LB writes in says, "Hey cohorts, scrolling through the old Game Pass, uh, I seen the beloved Fallout seventy six sitting there. I think I'm going to give it a download. I remember Leo was playing it not too long ago and was wondering if he could give his final review. Okay." The no matter been, what they add to it. Yeah, the Patreon's been building to this moment, Leo, for your final review of Fallout 76. Take it away. It's good. There we go. Uh, I've, I think I put like 70 hours into it at the end of the day. Wow. And mostly now I just enjoy it through the Fallout 76 settlements subreddit where people make like really incredibly detailed stuff. There's a really cool base creation in that game, like easily the highlight of it. And people can make these amazing like giant compounds or little shacks, but stuff that like fits so well in the world. And because there's player housing, you will just stumble upon houses. It's really cool to have like new landmarks, you know, like this fits just perfectly stumbling upon this. That's cool. I think that's the most impressive thing about that game. There we go. Two thumbs way up. Uh, Chris Calkins writes in and says, Hey, since Ben asked last week, I'm writing in to say that the joke. Of- so last week, um, we asked people to write in if we missed a joke opportunity, let us know what that opportunity was and, and fill in the joke from last week. Cause we can keep this rolling and this can be the funniest podcast, just always a week behind. Um, so since Ben asked last week, I'm writing in to say that the joke I'd like you all to make more often is whenever Ben asked the rhetorical question, am I nuts? I would like whoever he's volleying that to say yes, but then continue the conversation as normal. Thank you, Chris. That's that's a good comedy tip. How we'll do we it. know who you're volleying it at? Maybe maybe just everybody has to say it. So yeah, yeah it yeah. So it'd be like, hey, you can't do a rack focus on Sean White's goggles. Am I insane? Yeah. Yes. Will Smith writes in, hey, Min Max, have you seen? Oh, hang on. This was the one that I actually included. <laughs> this is too stupid. Okay, uh, here's a segue. Hey, uh, Min Max, have you seen the new Jurassic World Olympics promo? And what do you think of them? <laughs> uh, my question is, what are your favorite slash weirdest cross promotional advertisements? Honorable mention to Arby's slash Shovel Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Weirdest cross promotional ads. What do you got? Mine is anything to do with Hasane Miku. Yes. The virtual pop idol. Do you guys remember the Domino's commercial she did? No. Like the CEO amazing. of Domino's. What? And she was like on the pizza. <laughs> and I think that there was like an AR thing where if you got Domino's pizza, you could like point your phone at it and like Miku would appear. She'd oh dance my god. And she would dance on your pizza. <laughs> and then there's the other one where like she. Call or like Scarlett Johansson calls her. It's like a hair product. What? 
And like she's advertising the shampoo and she's, you know, the virtual idol. So she's not even real. How right. could she even advertise shampoo? Uh-huh. But I just remember like the phone rings and she's like, oh, Scarlett Johansson. And she goes, hi, Miku. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these, these are legendary crossovers. Uh, yeah, I remember when she was on David Letterman and like watching David Letterman like walk to the musician stage after her performance is just so she's surreal. Empty. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. For uh, me, I think like the most memorable one is there was, and I talked about it in an interview coming up maybe soon on MinMax's YouTube channel. So look forward to that. Um, the Final Fantasy IX first good look at it was from a Japanese Coca-Cola commercial. It was like before anything was out, except for maybe like a couple screenshots of Final Fantasy IX. I just remember downloading this Japanese commercial where it's like Zidane running through the town trying to get a coca-cola bottle it's just bizarre to be like have that be the introduction to this magical fantasy world that i would go on to love who knows um a recent one uh that's very funny is the thing where you had to get a specific uh, armor in halo infinite you had to buy a nail polish uh it was like you get the the sparkly armor by buying a nail polish uh which is that's just funny that's good um, time also, uh, Sarah talking about the pizza thing made me think about, I had to look this up. It was EverQuest 2 where you could type in slash pizza yes. and it would like order a pizza for you. Hell yes. Which I, I don't know how it's 17 years later and we don't have that functionality in games <laughs> now. <laughs> and yeah, we talked about it in like the, um, the pop cap oral history thing too, but I forgot about all those weird tie-ins where like in WoW you could play Peggle. I think you could play Bejeweled like in that game. It's just bizarre. And uh, you, the WoW Peggle has like a skill tree. Oh, it has it. features that real Peggles never had. It really should. Hey, they should make a new Peggle. I've uh, been I've been actually playing Peggle Knights because it was just put on Game Pass. Yeah, through like EA Play or whatever. And it's like, hey, Peggle, uh, still one of the best games ever made probably yep. still very good 100 what do you think about this idea I, I just wrote this down for a future episode we should do an episode of the podcast i don't know exactly how to word it but like honest to goodness candidates for greatest game of all time that no one ever talks about you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you could make a case for this game you could make a case for peggle being the greatest game of all time how, how do you build that leo what's the headline for that podcast the actual greatest games of all time yeah like based on playing them and not like you gotta give it up. <laughs> you know, when anybody <laughs> says that, they get kicked out immediately. Wizardry, y'all. Yep, I hear you. Uh, let's see. Chris N. writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, uh, seeing the size comparisons recently between the Steam Deck and other handhelds, I'm left feeling like it's pushing the limit of a comfortable handheld gaming experience. <laughs> Correct. So I wonder, what is your ideal size for a handheld gaming device? Also, if Nintendo does end up announcing some sort of mini Game Boy device this year, how small would you be comfortable with? Um... Yeah, I don't know. Is the Game Boy Advance Micro? That's probably about as small as they could go realistically. But yeah, what is ideal size for handheld gaming, you think? Vita. Vita? Mm. Big mm. enough that it has a decent screen so you can see what you're doing, but still pocket size. Yeah, I wish um, maybe like a Vita, but if it had a little curvature to the back. You know, I know that would throw off the fantastic back touchscreen and all that stuff, but I just, I don't like any handheld that's just kind of the flat thing, you know? Just wank. Even if it has a rear touchpad? Yeah, the rear touchpad, it can't, it can't win me over, no matter how many times they try and make it seem important. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly the reports about, about the Steam Deck are that it's awesome, but it's going to be like seven Game Gears strapped together trying to hold <laughs> this thing. I wish it was just like a little screen and then you have a controller, you know? 
almost like, like I'd a, prop up a little screen like an iPad and then have a wireless controller synced with it. Like, like some a sort laptop? Of, or some sort of fixture S1 that maybe you're describing? Yeah, all these inventions sound great. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to make them. Uh, Sarah, do you have an ideal handheld gaming size? Um, I agree with Leo. I really liked the the PSP that I had. Mm. I didn't even think about it. But yeah, that fit really well. I really like the 3DS. The XL's got a little too floppy. Okay. A little, a little too, like... But I just couldn't believe... I picked up my Game Boy Advance for the first time in a long time, and I just can't believe how small it was. Hmm. I just remember it being so much not small when I was a child, <laughs> and now I'm like, I can't even see the sprites. Weird. Yeah, maybe it's just like... like this is you, tiny. you got bigger. I don't know if I got and that so much it bigger. Got relatively smaller. <laughs> yeah, I could not believe... I was trying to play, like, Pokemon Sapphire again. Yeah. And I was like, I can't see anything i'm like i was like i had it like really close to my face and obviously it's not backlit so i was like under a light oh my god i don't know how i i don't know how i did that there's just gonna be a stage in your life where you have to put on uh benjamin franklin glasses just mm-hmm. to play your just, game just boy to play advance. My, yeah. my game boy advance that's right uh jason wojnar writes in and asks what's a bad thing you did in your childhood that's ultimately insignificant but still makes you feel guilty why do people ask these questions? Like, they're like a step away from asking us what is the worst thing we've ever done in our lives. Right. That's the what next one. Theoretically, get you canceled on the internet. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Why do they ask these questions just to reveal another little kernel of your personality that we wouldn't reveal when we're just talking about how we want a new Spyro the Dragon game or whatever, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, I got one. I got one. Yeah. Um, one time when I was playing Mario Kart Double Dash with my friend, uh, she had she never like played video games. She wasn't a video game player. We were playing together, and we were playing in like the Toads Highway or like the the nighttime city highway, right? Yeah. With all the cars. Yeah. Um, and one of them is a bomb car. And I said, you know what? If you run into that bomb car, you'll actually go faster. Smart. Uh, <laughs> and she believed me. And she ran into it uh, more than once. Um, and then she realized that I was joking. I was kidding. And I was like, haha, I can't believe you actually did it. This was in like elementary school, by the way. Let me just put some age context. Like right. fifth grade. Um, and then she got so mad at me. She stormed out of my home. All of my friends. She told all of our friends. <laughs> and they were like, Sarah, that's the meanest thing someone's ever done and i had to make <laughs> cookies i had to make chocolate chip cookies for her what and i had to bring them my mom had me do it i had to bring them to her house and apologize to her how many loogies were in those cookies be honest and like none but i was like i felt like i didn't like that everyone got mad at me about it and i was feeling bad mostly because of that like right, for, i right. became like the villain yep. of the friend group <laughs> and like I felt I carried that guilt for so long and then like I'm 20 now and I looked back on it and I was like are you kidding me <laughs> are you kidding me yeah I think we're gonna have a poll here yeah everyone's coming in yeah turns out that was the worst thing anybody's ever done Sarah the internet's turning hard against you in a way I've never <laughs> seen unbelievable uh, I remember when I was uh maybe seven or eight as as young as you can start uh really scheming I remember asking my uh, dad or no I asked my mom if I could watch TV and she said no and I went and watched TV anyway my dad said did your mom say you can watch TV and I said yes Oh, and then evil. they didn't ground me or anything but Horrible. they found out and they were like that's not cool <laughs> <laughs> can't be doing that did you guys 
know that old like CRT TVs had like headphone jacks in them. So my parents would tell me that I couldn't watch TV and then I would just plug like headphones into them and I'd oh, watch cool. Pokemon. Nice. Like a foot away the from thing- the TV because the cord's really short, but I did it anyways. Hell yeah. The thing that would get me in trouble was I would I would watch TV and then I'd turn it off before my parents got home and my mom would be like, Jacob, were you watching TV? No. He's like, why is the TV on Cartoon Network? <laughs> I was like, how how could you possibly notice that it was on Cartoon Network? Like, no one else is watching that. <laughs> Stupid kids are so bad at hiding stuff. I, I was really thinking about this. Like, yeah, the ultimately insignificant thing is kind of tough. But um, I have really had to come to reckon with myself, give a good long look in the mirror about like, I think I've done a lot of exaggerating in my life. Like as a kid in particular, I, I wasn't a liar, but if something happened three times, I would say it happened four times. And that has just been thrown. And I still catch myself doing that it to like, lie. no, it's absolutely Sorry. not. A lie. When, not- you, when you die and go to heaven, that's counted as a lie. Really? And then that's what's make me go downstairs <laughs> yeah. instead. I know, but I still catch it every once in a while myself doing that. And it's like, why? Like, you're not making stuff up. Like, you're not cooler by just adding one or two numbers if there's a numerical-based story. Am I not? Does anybody else do this? Because I had, there was a boy in elementary school who told me that he had beaten Wind Waker like 10 times yeah. right when it came out. And I hadn't beaten it yet. And I thought, I thought he was so cool. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm just a horrible. I'm a bad gamer. Yeah. Like, this guy is such a – he's so good at video games. And then he revealed to me later in high school that he had never beat it. <laughs> and he was just lying to me. Damn it. That's a really cool way to impress somebody, though. I am eight ten times. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, it's easy, fine. easy. Uh, all right. Thanks, Jason, for writing in. Uh, all right. What do you all like for question of the week? I liked Solitary Confinement. I liked... Uh, Jacob Geller's uh, trip in the desert. Um, handheld gaming. I like the guilty childhood thing. What stands out, people? I, I like the haunted thing because of y'all's strange XLR story, though I don't know if that alone is uh, <laughs> it's not that worth haunting. it. But it's like radio signals are weird. Yeah, Sarah, which, which question made the show better is the ultimate point. Right. Which question elevated the show to just another stratosphere of quality content? Mm. <laughs> I just, I want, can we give it to like Leo's song? <laughs> no, we can't give it to Leo's song. <laughs> uh-huh. Like weirdest crossovers was cool too. Cause it like combined the Jurassic world with the Olympics. They were all really good. <laughs> they didn't do that. They just talked about it. Somebody did. Yeah. Jacob, yeah. Bella, you're the guest of honor. Choose it, man. All right, Haunted. Haunted. I, I like the Haunted one. All right, there we go. Uh, Guy Bones, congratulations. You're winning, you're winning Etherborn from I'm Uh Now it's time for something that we prefer to call Get a Little of This. Okay, get a load of this, please. Uh, what do you got, Jacob Geller? Uh, get a low, get a get a load of this. Um, in context of our previous conversation, that article on thegamer.com is called "Sifu's Brawler is a Soulless Caricature" and uh, subtitle on racism, appropriation, and <laughs> excuse me, what was that? <laughs> that was me not listening to Jacob Keller and getting ready for the game champions thing, and forgetting that my computer's audio is still hooked up. 
Well, it chimed in a really the perfect moment. Okay, was, sorry. Go back to on cultural racism, appropriation, uh, and musical sting. Uh-huh, <laughs> okay, sorry. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's that's the link below. That's the link below. It's a great article that talked better than I could about what the problems are with a depiction of these things in games. Fantastic, fantastic. There's a link below for all this fun stuff. Um, hey, get a load of this. Did you know that apparently at some point Neil Young tried to buy Lionel Trains because he was so into toy trains? Uh, and it, it, apparently there was an era where he owned 20% of Lionel Trains because he really liked just the idea of them. And I guess if you got you, Neil Young he, money... Did he own 20% of the company or like just 20% of all their products? All of them on earth, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, the actual company. So Neil Young fact, everybody. Uh, all right, artiste of artiste. Get a load of this. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can, if you're getting a Discord call, you know, you receive a Discord call and you hear that ringtone, did you know that there's a one in a thousand chance that it'll play something different? It'll play Shut a funky up. remix of the Discord Shut ring? Up. That's so good. Yeah. I, I have a video example where I first discovered it called when you get 0.1% discord call while rust gaming. (laughs) And so it's them playing rust and then the call comes in and it's a pretty good song, even by my standards. Wow. I love that. That's a fun idea. It's like, it's like, um, battlefield hardline, I think was the biggest for this. Where like one out of every thousand reload animations were just absolutely absurd. Like what was it again? Jake, we it was just like them trying to ram a rocket into the gun. You would either, there were some where you like use the force to reload it. There's one where you like kept the clip and you threw away the gun and then you put another gun on top of the same (laughs) clip. Yeah. There were like every gun had an individual one. It was great. (laughs) That's so fun. Uh, Sarah, what do you got? I got, I saw this tweet and it said, out of the reoccurring female human characters in Mario, only Daisy regularly has teeth. Hmm. <laughs> Something Did to you think know that? about. I didn't know that. Uh, so like, you know, Peach, Rosalina, Pauline, they don't have teeth. How about Toadette? Toadette doesn't have What's teeth. What's her teeth status? How does Peach not have teeth? Peach doesn't have teeth. I'm Googling Peach teeth. Yeah, she she does have Google. She's got something. Yeah, this is confusing. Those are just her lips. Oh, I always get those two confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always kiss people on the teeth. Uh, Pain Chomp has her teeth. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. He stole it first. Uh, hey, get a load of this from the community. Uh, Leafyon shared a story that broke today um, over there from uh, Bloomberg and Jason Schreier. Um, it's an interesting idea. I, I'm all for it. Apparently Ubisoft has turned an Assassin's Creed Valhalla expansion into a standalone title uh, featuring Basim. Um, and it might... Oh, I forget the setting where they said that it might take place now. But it's going to be like a smaller scoped game than the mainline Assassin's Creed titles. And it's going to focus more on... Leo, did you hear these two words? Stealth gameplay. <laughs> uh, it's going to release either in late 2022 or 2023, but I think that's interesting. Like having those expansions to Assassin's Creed, obviously somehow they're worth it, but I'm always in favor of when there's like, you know, let's just make it a standalone thing. Let's release Far Cry Primal as a standalone thing instead of Far Cry 4 DLC, all that fun stuff. Don't worry about power requirement of your Valhalla character before you can get into it. Exactly. All that stuff. Uh, hey, Jacob Keller, thanks for being here, dude. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, what would you like to plug? What's going on on your hot YouTube channel? 
Uh, I have a video coming out uh, tomorrow if you listen to this podcast the day of release or today if you listen to it after that uh, on Returnal uh, and why it's a really, really good game. Yep. There we go, everybody. Go check that out. My YouTube channel is called Jacob Geller. Sweet. There's a link in the description for you. Um, Sarah, you got something you want to plug? Oh, yeah. Uh, You can watch me on Twitch at Sarapods, and that's really fun. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Sarapods, which is also fun. It's really the most fun thing you can do is click on that follow. Or you can check out the two of us playing a bunch of random absurd games on Steam uh, with Steam Secret Stash. We're going to be doing that the first Tuesday of every month, so give us a follow on Twitch. Otherwise, it'll be up on YouTube as a big old archive. Leo, other than the song that's not available anywhere, what else can they check out from you, man? Uh, like Jacob, I've got a video coming out in the next day or two. Oh, little rival. I won't give too much away, but it is, will be unveiling a grand truth. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Leo Vader, check it out on YouTube, everybody. Um, also, we have Trivia Tower coming up. Um, we are going to have the next episode of Trivia Tower, our video game trivia competition show, which you can compete in if you support us at the $2 tier on Patreon. This is going to be happening on Monday, February 21st. And uh, I don't want to tip my hand too much, Leo, but we have a great guest lined up. And let's just say this is going to be the official Dark Souls of Trivia. If you catch wow. my drift. So if you're a fan... Miyazaki? If you're a fan of From Software, get ready to win some great prizes on February 21st. We're going to have a ton of game codes to give away. Jump in. Sports $2 tier. That gives you access to the Discord. That's where the competition happens. And it's the first ever themed episode of Trivia Tower. So get ready for that, everybody. Uh, also, you can unlock access to the $5 tier to MinMax Party Chat. Um, on this week's episode, we had a bunch of folks in there along with the community. We talked about Jackass Forever, um, which, believe it or not, I laughed at for an hour and a half straight. It was a lovely time in the theater. Um, but we go there over all that stuff and just take another thousand questions from the community. It's a fun group discussion. So unlock that exclusive podcast each and every Monday. Let us know what you think. Also, The Deepest Dive, Sarah, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, we're finishing that sucker off next week. So even if you haven't finished the game, you can submit a comment or a question about whatever you have played. We're going to be collecting your comments on February 13th, and then we're going to be recording on the 15th, and we're going to be publishing that on February 16th. So that is for everything else in Pokemon Legends Arceus. How's that game going for you, Sarah? Boy, it's a lot to unpack. There's a lot. There's a lot. We'll save it for the deepest dive. Um, yeah, okay. it's it's a great podcast game. I enjoy it when I'm very in the zone and just going through all this podcast. I'm going to be streaming my game as well on Thursday, so give us a follow on Twitch. Also, man, these plugs take too long, don't you think? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay, great. Um, follow us on Instagram, everybody. Uh, we give away a game code every single week, so give us a follow on Instagram, MinMax Show. And Can I submit a joke that we missed this week? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I wasn't on the seafood segment, but if I was, I would have said, see, I'm on a seafood diet. I seafood and I play it. (laughs) Hey, look at this! Game champions! First time you've heard that. That's what it was. Here we go, everybody. If you support us at the $50 tier, you can declare yourself the game champion of any game under the sun. So let it be known that the champion of Windjammers 2 is Bob Buell. Sly 2, Band of Thieves, is purebred number 6. Ron with two N's has Pokemon Emerald. Swiggity Swoo, Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. Drew Oranis, Radical Dreamers. Oh, 
very timely. Uh, Christopher Walton, Lost Planet, Extreme Condition, Spider Dan, Illusion of Gaia, Steve B, Jack 2, PrettyGoodPrinting.com has Ultima Online, Jonathan is the champion of Smite, Clemens Zobel, the champion of Digimon World 3, and T. Clark, Dying Light 2, Stay Human. Jacob Geller, if you're on this list, what game would you choose to be the champion of officially? Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. There it is. Dominic Sachoki nice. chooses Xeno Saga Episode 1. Star Killer chooses Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Jawar Hello has Monster, Under, Monster Rancher 2. Roger Reichart has Super Castlevania 4. Ted Riser is a champion of Kodo Tag. Beaten Down Brian, of course, is the champion of Dirge of Cerberus Final Fantasy 7. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much, Jacob Geller. Appreciate you swinging by, dude anytime great and we'll see you all next week uh, for big whole episode be good have fun let's go (laughs) 